Welcome to the Making Laps Podcast. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Making Laps Podcast. I am your host, Brent Gleason. Alongside me, as usual, is my co-host and brother, Jesse Gleason. Good, good evening, everyone. Good. Hello, salutations, whatever. Whatever you're trying to say. Hi. And with us on the line yet again is Florida Senator Phil Jakes. What is that artwork? I wish they could see it. Where are you? Jack's so shy. Can't sleep. I can't dream tonight. I need someone I thought it was actually going to be good. Wrong. Do you know us? <laughs> what is that supposed to be? Are we still going here? Yes. I love the hook. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Everyone sings along now. It's great. Rating. Point what? 4.1. Oh. <laughs> I thought it was going to have it a It had entertainment it. value to it. Yeah, I guess humor does factor into it. It made me laugh like harder than I've laughed all day. Hey, we did something good today. All right. We usually start our episodes off with personal updates. Now, obviously, our season... <laughs> our updates are going to be about damage. Actually, it is, because <laughs> our seasons have ended, obviously. It's, you know, past World Series weekend. We're done. There's other races we could take part in, but we're not. I'm not going we're not to South Carolina kind of because I don't have the money or time off. Nah, it would be not, great to do that, but We're no. not running the Street Stock Nationals, quote-unquote which is only comprised of like Connecticut and Massachusetts and New Hampshire, which is not national at Waterford, but more on that. The street stock Northeasternals. The street stock regionals. Um, yes. Okay. I, I still want to go see that, though. That'd be, oh, it would be fun to watch. That'd yeah. be dynamite. They got a they got an act and pass race coming up there with that race, the street stock regionals. I'm just going to call it that from now on. Um I think coming up in a couple weeks at Waterford, so that'll be a good show, I think. That'll be a one to go watch. Um, but anyway, our personal updates. Again, like I said, as the season kind of winds down and all we're left with is essentially national races, we tend to kind of trail off on episode length, or at least we think we do. But we still have some updates. I mean, I got the entire body off my car, thanks to my cousin. I don't know if I mentioned that last week or not, or if that was this week. Cousin Eric. Yeah, he helps out. Cousin Eric helps out with a we bunch got, of things. We got that thing off, yeah. and we were looking at it and assessing. And today, I actually went down to Jesse's shop to see his car Ugh. because I didn't know what broke on it. And I said, all right, well, I got to fix some stuff while I'm here, and I might as well take 10 minutes and hop under and pull the cover off the rear end and see what's wrong with that. Oh, not what I expected. Kind um, of what I expected. I mean, I expected everything to be gone in the rear end, but it was uh, a little bit different. So I pulled the cover off and uh, found carnage, but not as much as I was expecting. I was expecting like the pinion to be broken or something in the 
like the ring gear to be shredded or whatever and the spider gears to be just drilled out of it. But I was wrong. See, I'd welded up the spider gears to make like a removable Lincoln locker so that you just kind of weld the teeth in specific spots so that it locks together. Well, that's kind of a double-edged sword because if something happens, those are now hot and then cooled and then they get brittle. So they're not really meant for that. If you're going to weld up a rear end, you might as well weld the spider gears to the carrier and just be done with it because then it's a solid piece and you can't break it as easily. Uh, this one you can. I just didn't want to ruin a carrier so that I could use it if I needed to go to Stafford or something. But anyway, I look inside and there's no spider gears on the top and bottom. The axle spider gears is still there, but the floaters are gone. Completely shredded. Just shattered. And so I'm like, oh, well maybe the ring and pinion's still good. And I'm rolling that thing over after I cleaned all the chunks out of it. And it's still going. I mean, no, no teeth are missing. There's no big gouges. There's a gouge in the carrier, but the gears look all right. So I'm like, oh, maybe I'll flush it out and fix it. So we might not be completely broken, but I still haven't dug into the transmission of his car yet. So who knows what horrors that will lead. I mean, not the that, first tranny I've blown, nor the last. Phrasing. 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 Yes. Are we still doing <laughs> phrasing? Why aren't we doing phrasing? Um, it's, yeah, I can't wait to dive into that thing. Now, my dad had bought that transmission years ago off of eBay, and it was labeled as being rebuilt, and I put that in air quotes. And I had opened it up because whoever rebuilt it, um, they put a bushing in the tail shaft that was way too tight, and you couldn't actually get the drive shaft in. And I'm like, how'd you screw it up that bad? So I was suspect of it from the start so I swapped the tail housing out of it to get the tail bushing just to fit I just used an old one I said screw it and it was one of those rebuilds where someone tried to do it like all fancy and they put cap screws in it instead of just the stock bolts what's the point like <laughs> great now you've changed the fasteners and now I have to change what wrenches and, and sockets I use to take it apart thanks Whoa, fancy no that's stupid I hate that don't do that if you're gonna rebuild this stuff okay so now I got to tear that apart. Hopefully we didn't shred that too badly. If if we did, I know we got backups. So so I just kind of go get a locker like I should have done to begin with. Well, I side note, I kind of bought Jesse's lock or uh, mini spool off of yeah. him, <laughs> and then he needed it, and I'm like, oh well, do you have some spare spider gears? Maybe I can just lock it up that way. Of course I do. And so <laughs> we just, brought a box over, and I welded it, and it completely shredded. So. Yeah, we did a great thing there. Awesome. We're awesome at this. I know what the problem is. <sighs> We're bad he at... He didn't shake him and say that ain't going nowhere. This is true. He didn't say that. I didn't? No, he never said that. Shit. We need an adult, That's somebody who's problem. a dad. Yeah, if you have an adult, preferably a dad, just say usually the magic words, this ain't going nowhere, it never goes anywhere. You're right, Phil. He usually reminds me of that, and I do it, but I don't think I remember. If to do I do it, it that it's time. useless because I'm not really an adult. I don't think I'm a father, and that's not <laughs> going to happen. Let this be a learning moment. The words that ju- did anybody else catch the words that just came out of Jesse's mouth? I don't think I'm a father. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, there's a black something. stripper in Canada somewhere that's probably going to say the I don't think opposite she was a of stripper. that. She just. Had a good time. 
I thought she was Some a stripper. Must wonder. No, no, that was New York. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I thought it was Canada for no, some the, reason. No, no, no. Close enough. No one oh, listened to me. Well, she's from Canada. She was from Canada. Oh, she's from Canada. See, I don't. She was from Canada, and we went to, and we went to. It was know, in New. Okay, got it. It was in Boston. Oh, I'm sorry. Jeez, we were see, in Boston, St. Patty's Day. I can't remember shit. What am I yeah, talking about? Yeah, that was. That Who the was hell a long am I? Ago. Anyway, so I spent hooray for statue of limitations. Yay! Don't worry, ancestry will be coming up soon on you. Uh, I can't wait. That's going to be a show. <laughs> Just little bl- blips pop up like, you have a new match or something. I'm like, who is this person? <laughs> Ancestry's hilarious. That's how we found all our recent family members that we knew nothing about. They just kind of showed up and we're like, who is this person? Uh-oh, there's a backstory. Yeah. Producer just I reminded really me of that. I really do that. <laughs> yeah, you should. It's it, just it'd it's, be terrifying. You'll be like, "Wait, that's my real dad." Unless you plan on <laughs> committing crimes later, then you probably shouldn't do it. Yeah, because well, the we, police we will have go into weird that shit. shit in my family. Like my great grandfather, when he was really really young, lived in mm. Russia. That's where he's from, and he worked for Rasputin as a servant boy. Wait a minute. When was Rasputin? <laughs> oh, there it is. <laughs> That was World War One shit, wasn't it? That was before the Russian Revolution, before yes. the Tsar or whatever the hell it was. Yeah, Rasputin was, uh, yeah, uh, man, uh, I, advisor to uh, the Tsar. I love history, but man, I got to read more. I, yeah, I swear Tsar to God. Nicholas II, I believe. Yeah, yeah, some shit like that. Yeah, so weird fact about Phil's family. <laughs> That's pretty dope. We got that one in early why this week. Why the hell is your name Jacques? Why is why is your name Jakes instead of uh, Jakes off or something? <laughs> Jakov, Jakov, Yakov, Jakov, Jakov, Jakov. Wait, we're getting down the wrong path here. My dad's family is from Quebec. Okay, so why is it not Jacques then? They're French Canada. Because we Americanized it and destroyed the name. That's the spirit. <laughs> Black Jacques Shalak. Everyone did hey, that but shit. My, my Polish side of my family, their last name is Zrok, which is just fucking crazy to say, so they just called themselves Miller. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it makes no sense. Uh, Jess, I was waiting for the Godfather reference. May your first child be a masculine No, 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 the, the Ellis Island one, sorry. Oh. All right, oh, yeah, 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 that's ancestry. the one. Yeah, that's one. What is your name, son? Come on, what is your name? Uh, Vin- uh, Antonio, his name is... Enigo uh, uh, Montoya? No, uh... Yeah, God, I forgot the Godfather's goddamn name. It was and ah, Vito Andolini. Yeah, that's it from Corleone. Vito Corleone. Vito Corleone. <laughs> Corleone. It. Vito Corleone. And he's like, <laughs> okay, okay. Then he just won. <laughs> that's his new name. Yeah, I forgot it was Andolini. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah. Jeez, I gotta watch more movies too. Reading and movies. Vito. Duh. Yeah, I know. So anyway, personal updates. We're still going. Um. I am debating on whether or not I want to build that chassis table or not, but I think I'm going to anyway because I've said I was going to, and it would be a really useful tool if I could build it properly, but i got to get Jesse's car out of the garage in order to do that, so I think we'll just slap any old set of spider gears in the rear and put the cover back on it and see if it goes in gear and see if we can move it. So I just need a nice flat floor, and I know that my dad, when he built that garage, 
that's a flat floor. Like that it's is a perfect level, flat. perfect flat floor. Yeah. So they were perfectionists when they came to that thing. So engineers, you know. So I got to get that tubing out. I want to build it before winter. I don't want to be working out in the freaking freezing cold with an uninsulated garage, which I'm going to be anyway, but, you know. So anyway, that's going to happen at some point in the future. I've got to go dig my chassis, or my chassis, it's a frame. Got to go dig my frame out from under Jesse's destroyed chassis that we still haven't scrapped yet and get that over to the house and help build the jig with it. So that's our updates for now. Uh, nothing's really changed for future plans. Uh, I did overheat my welder for the first time today, but not on race car stuff. So that's what you get when you buy the $190 Harbor Freight welder. Hey, those things are badass. It works. still works mint. It doesn't weld beautifully, but it welds. It sticks metal to metal safely. It's good enough for bumpers. Like that's when what I, I use mine for. When I use Jesse's Lincoln that he inherited... It's like night and day. Absolute difference. It's just hilarious. But anyway. All right. Anybody else have any actual personal updates? So I'm sure Phil has some updates as well. Uh, so, yeah, we, uh, I took the, I had the front end of the car apart this weekend because I was working on repairing some damage from my uh, teammate accidentally putting me in the wall. Uh, accidentally. At the last yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hey bro. Happens. I was Boop. I was getting lapped with four laps to go and I probably should have just lifted out of it, but I didn't want to lose any more ground because there was still cars behind me that could pass me, shockingly. But uh I ended up finding uh so when you hang the bodies on these cars, you put a two and a half inch block underneath the right uh the rear frame rails and like a half inch piece of square tubing under the cross member and lay the car on the ground so you can hang the, the nose at travel. Uh, because they do spend a lot of time down there, or they should. Mine wasn't, spoiler alert, uh, in the corners. So, well, that's fancy, Jesse. Jesse's putting a beer in my World War One trench art. That's valuable, dude. Especially to be putting <laughs> natty ice in there. Ugh, God. So imagine as, as imagine I'm, being in a trench in France, carving that thing while you're getting mustard gassed, only for a hundred years later for some slob to put a freaking natty ice down it. At least put some <laughs> bougie beer, like Mick Ultra. Oh wait, <laughs> it's literally a tank, like a anti tank shell or something that somebody. So is that beer? It's can, pretty dude. neat. It probably was at some point, uh, right? Anyway, we cut. We just cut off Phil. Typical. <laughs> typical going on it's perfectly normal for us to do so as i'm as i'm lowering the the front of the car down onto these blocks it just suddenly stops traveling hmm. so um i had the shocks on the car i had the springs out of it obviously but i had the shocks on the car still and i was like all right this is weird what's going on and i started walking around looking around at the car and i decided to jack it back up and take the shocks off and suddenly it travels Mm. Um, I found that, so the left front lower control arm has multiple mounts. We use a stock Camaro control arm on the bottom. And for whatever reason, what used to work apparently doesn't work anymore. Uh, so I ended up moving the shock to a different mounting location that was a little more linear, uh, on the left front. And suddenly the car actually travels all the way to the ground. Does it have, and one of the problems... Does it have different shock mounts on it? Like a bunch of different holes or something? Or 
Yeah, on the lower there's so there's a there's a centered bracket right behind the uh this where the spindle and the ball joint is. And then there's one that's a little offset to the front with multiple holes in it. Mm. So I just moved it because the shock mount actually if you put it in the one to the front of the control arm, it's a dead straight, straight up and down. Mm. So I figured if it's straight it works better, right? Well, um, it won't bind so, up at least, yeah. Yeah, well, that that was a big problem because in these cars, in pretty much any circle track car, you have a bind on the left front and the right front still wants to travel. It's going to throw the, all the weight over onto the right front, spike load the, the bar, lift the left front off the ground, and what's it going to do? It's going to plow center. Mm. And that is the problem we've been fighting. And, I've, you know, we could fix... We could get it to turn in and through the center decent, and then I just have no drive off. Mm. And that that's the problem I fought at the last race. And we, we've been chasing, trying to figure out uh, why the nose hasn't been traveling for a while. And I admittedly have been a little lazy. I haven't really had the desire or passion in racing uh, due to some personal stuff. And finally decided, you know, stop being a pussy. Get your ass back in gear, get back out in the shop, because crying about it ain't going to fix it. Be a man. And, yeah, started going through. I mean, <laughs> I'm actually thankful that I had to put fenders on the car, because I probably wouldn't have found this this easily. Because, mm. I mean, when do you ever travel the car all the way down? Right. You know, so um, found that, fixed that, uh, got the body hung up on the car fixed a couple tech issues that Ricky Brooks was giving me a little bit of a hard time about. I was a little wide in the rear for the, the rear bumper mm. by about 15 inches. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not like not 1.5 inches, not, you know, five inches, 15 inches. Holy shit. Yeah. The, the, the rear bumper width rule is 60 inches and I was at 75. He went to body just, width instead of actual bumper width. Well, that's, what the car came with and that's what it always was and i just never looked at the rule realistically so well you'd think that uh, the bumper rule would be no wider than the body and the body has to have a specific width rule i think right so right and i think from what what has been explained to me is the reason that ricky does this rule where the bumper width is only 60 inches in the back is because the quarters on these cars hang really low it's all about side force in these things especially at the big tracks but they also have the shovel nose on them so mm. When you're racing in traffic, it's better for a guy to be able to get into your quarter panel and move your quarter panel a little bit and not wreck you by hitting the bumper at the same time. It gives a little bit of leeway on either side. Yeah. So, you know, you can see the quarter panel move and know, oh, maybe I should just give him a little space. I'm not going to spin him out. And it realistically has created a lot cleaner racing. We, this division two years ago was shit show central every race. And this year there was averaging like two to three cautions a race. It really wasn't terrible. So, and there was no really big wrecks. I don't think anybody except the very first race of the year put a clip on the car uh, from a big wreck. So uh, really clean racing in this class. And Ricky's definitely stepped up the way the rules are written and made things better. So, um, can he go to the Cup Series and fix that too, or is it just a local thing? I don't think he can fix the <laughs> Cup Series. I don't think anybody can. But uh, anyway, so Friday night, Daniel had his car down at Citrus County Speedway for him and uh, 
he was going to shake it down for the fall brawl 200. That's this weekend for 10,000 to win. Um, and someone else that we work with and that works with us, Rebecca Catarelli, uh, she's typically a pure stock driver and she was actually going to try and get in the car at showtime back in July, but they didn't let her on the track. Practice was over, whatever. This was a whole thing. So she got out in the car and she, for a first time in a, in a sportsman car was running really competitive lap times. And I looked at Daniel when she came in, I said, I got my gear. You mind if I hop in and take some laps? Just because I wanted to know the feel of a fast car. You know, it, it, sometimes you get that thing in your head where it's you. And I just wanted to know if it's me, I'll fucking sell the car. I'll go back to a street stock. I'm happy with that. But if it's not me, I want to know what it feels like. So I have a target. And I got in his car on 100 lap tires and comparing it to my car on 100 lap tires, I went about a tenth, tenth and a half faster. So, you know, I could feel the car get in, turn and drive off on old tires, which I've never felt in mine. Usually on old tires after like 30 laps, it's a shit show. So to have that understanding, now I have a target and finding that issue with my the geometry on the front end. Now that the nose is actually going to travel or should actually travel properly on my car, it should actually work the way our setups are intended to. And maybe I can actually not be a bucket of fuck every time I go to the track. Yeah, a uh, a well a car that works well and is set up well typically will run longer on tires because you're not using the tire grip as a crutch. If you've got a problem with the car, when that tire grip, goes away those problems really rear their really ugly heads because i was in the same boat and i mean i was doing the same thing you were and just questioning whether or not i still had it but at the same time i just kind of wasn't listening to myself i was doing everything to try to figure out what was wrong with the car but i just wasn't listening i strung the car and the results i got i thought i strung the car improperly because of how far out the rear end was Right. Like, the rear track was so far to the right, I'm like, I must have strung the car wrong. There's no way that this thing is, like, two inches out. There's no way that this track is, like, turning the car on. It's, it's probably crab walking down a straightaway, and I didn't even know it. Well, they are going to crab walk down a straightaway. All race cars do that. Well, I mean, more than usual. I mean, right. it's, you know, it's so out that it's, like, if if I'd actually paid attention to what I was doing instead of, like, thinking I was doing it wrong... I would have actually been, well, I would have figured out that there was a problem earlier instead of figuring it out now. So, like, yeah, yeah, that's the only problem I'm having right now. So, my, my biggest thing is this: this is a completely different animal than what I'm used to. So, I don't particularly know what to look for. So, I rely on Daniel's help, which he's been massive. I probably would not be in the division anymore at this point if it wasn't for his help. So. Being able to to work with him on a regular basis, not only on the sportsman cars, but on the supers. Like, I'm learning bump stops and, and shock travels and all of that stuff, which is not something you learn in a street stock. So just understanding all of that stuff, it makes me think of this car different now than a metric car because I've always tried to compare it to a metric car. and You really can't, not even in, in any way. It doesn't drive the same. It doesn't feel the same. It doesn't travel the same. It's just completely different animal. So... I'm glad to know that it's at least mostly not me. It probably still like 40% me, but maybe 20% me. I'd say at least 20. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, we're we're gonna go test the car. I think the twenty eighth is the date. I'd have to look at a calendar. Twenty seventh. It's a Thursday, so we're gonna go test the car with all the changes made, and he's gonna go through it before then and put new valve springs in it and start getting it ready for DeSoto at the free or Freedom Factory in January. Whatever it's called at this point. Yeah. But Cletus's uh, yeah. fun house. Yeah, his little playhouse, I guess. Um, but yeah, I, I still have to go through the process of winterizing my car. And I'm thinking of what the best way to do that is if I just keep using marine fogging oil down the carburetor until it shuts off or if I want to pour Marvel Mystery oil down it or if I you know, I'll just do a combination of both. I don't know. I like to really fog the crap out of my motors cuz I don't have like I said, I don't have insulation in my garage and it gets kind of humid in there from time to time. So you know, just I want to winterize it, but I have to strip the car down at the same time. So we'll get there. It's just a process at this point. So I I use a mixture of Marvel and WD forty. Well, WD forty was made to displace water, so I mean, it's fish oil. <laughs> it's fish oil. Yeah. Uh. So anyway, Jess, you got any updates? Negative. <laughs> okay. Because yeah, I sent Phil a tweet. Already... I was waiting for him to find it. <laughs> <laughs> NASCAR meme strikes oh, again. Boy. I'm trying to figure out. I was watching this uh, Matt Shepard and Stuart Friesen racing for the win on Twitter here, so I was just kind of nodding off for a second. Sorry. Anyway, now that we are 30 minutes into the show, apparently-ish, we can finally go into the second segment of the show, and that is the DARF comment of the week. Caught him. <laughs> Please refresh the page to hear the sound. Don't. <laughs> We're a bucket of shit tonight. Seriously. Hey. Oh, uh, if everything could go wrong, it will go wrong. That's just us. Please refresh the page to hear the sounds. Why can't you just play the sounds, you goddamn whore? Anyway, let's just move on to the second <laughs> segment of the show here. That's not nice. <sighs> You're assuming her gender identity. Shut up. All right, this week's Darf. <laughs> That's how you have to treat those people or else they constantly get their way. All right, this week's Darf comment of the week was sent to us by Phil. Because he bails us out constantly on this segment. Uh, really good at finding them. I'm a certified Darf hunter. It says so on my Twitter. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Uh, all right, so this was sent to us by Phil. It is a tweet that was posted, well, it's in reference to a tweet that was posted by well-respected media member Bob Pachris. He posted the following. Gene Haas on Grid said he wants Cole Custer to return to the 41 next year, but Tony Stewart wants to give Ryan Priest a shot. So, to be determined for... (laughs) For two- I, I'm sorry, you're going to ask Cole Custer. I, I'm sorry, but <laughs> the premise is you're going to ask Cole Custer, who who you hire his dad <laughs> to be the Formula One boss of your team, and you're going to tell him, oh, hey, we got to sit your son down. Here's the thing. Um, he sucks. It's yeah. just like it's just like you know. It's just like the guy, the kid in the two car there. To, what's well, his name? here's the thing. Austin they- Cindric, Tim Cindric has been. Penske's chief operation boss for 12 years. Apparently, Penske doesn't have any chill in his own to put in a car, else he would. 
It's the same thing. Or any that it's not going to happen. Hmm. It's like asking Roger Penske to tell, you know, say, oh, we can't have Austin in the car. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. We, yeah. I don't think so. That's uh, not happening. Except Austin actually has talent. Yeah. He's not bad. Uh, he, he's it's like saying, good, hey, we need. Uh, he's had some good training. Yes, he's had some good training. Hey, we need Rick Mears to get out of this car. Yeah, okay. Uh, anyway, so this, we've gone off on a tangent, but it says. Tony Stewart wants to give Ryan Priest a shot, so to be determined in 2023. Haas has also said Kevin Harvick has indicated he won't return after 2023. His deal is up, apparently. But Haas is trying to convince him to do an extension. Again, there's a ultimate controversy, an elephant in the room that we are kind of skipping over because we said that we don't touch that as, well, pretty much ever on the Darf comment of the week. So this is what you're getting this week. Bear with us. If you live under a rock, you may not know what we're talking about. But anyway, in response to this tweet, uh, someone, I don't know why they have just a screen name instead of their actual name. But anyway, someone by the name of Ultimate 23 Dragon, no idea what that means. No idea who's in their picture. Is that Johnny Benson? That is Johnny yeah. Benson. She's a Johnny Bell or she or it, whatever she it is. Looks like it shit. has boobs. I don't know. That could be a fat kid. So. I mean, they make <laughs> pills for that these days. They shouldn't, but yeah, I understand. Anyway, uh, the screen name is, or their their address on Twitter is at Ultimat23Dragon. They forgot the E, apparently. So it's U-L-T-I-M-A-T-23Dragon. Obviously, someone else had Ultimate23Dragon. So <laughs> they had to drop the E. Moving on. They said, quote, wouldn't work either way. Priest is bad and Custer is already the guinea pig of the team. If Harvick and Briscoe are still at SHR, there's no point in either one being there, honestly. Well, number one, you got four cars. And how are two guys going to drive four cars, dummy? And number two, this follows right along with the concept of poor sports fans. Or stupid. We'll move on to that. Maybe not to the extent I usually go by calling race fans the dumbest in all of sports, but it simply highlights the fact that most sports fans fancy themselves to be in experts with opinions, and in reality, they don't know much of value. Get, get your own podcast. Yeah. Wait. Uh, anyway. Dragon lady. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Football fans have the guy who scream about a run play when they think they need to pass the ball. Basketball fans will scream about a foul when there clearly wasn't one. Baseball fans always have that guy who's beside himself when a pitch is called a ball because clearly from the grandstands it was a strike. In racing, we have fans who know it all if all we had was nothing. This is the kind of homer, well, it's kind of a homer call for me, but for fans to still be on the Ryan Preece hate wagon over something Carson Hosevar did or Ryan's previous numbers on a C-level cup team, if they were even that, is just moronic to me. They can't look past their own nose to see the big picture, and they create an opinion of someone to try to justify it through ignorance. But you can't hide the fact that every single time he's been put into competitive equipment, he's performed. People will literally suck Matt DiBenedetto's dick because he almost won a race in a lower-funded team once, uh, but he didn't do shit with a better opportunity. 
He finally won a truck race after almost two seasons of trying and, you know, after flunking out of cup. Ryan stepped foot into a truck and won his first time out. His first attempt in a good Xfinity equipment garnered a second place finish to none other than Kyle Busch, who is also the winningest driver in NASCAR history. And in his second try in good equipment, he won. He continues to put up top fives in every start he has and continues to show he has what it takes to win wherever and whenever he gets in a good ride. Let's be fair, Cole Custer is a, what we would call in baseball, which I'm not a baseball person, a 4A player. Would you agree, Jess? Yeah. Cole Custer's a 4A player. At this point, yeah. I think he's a 4A player. Meaning he's probably good enough to be in the big leagues. But isn't, so he languishes in AAA like forever. Like a Justin Allgaier. He's a 4A player. Yeah, they thrive in AAA, but can't quite have enough to make it up to the big leagues. Yeah, so they're a 4A he's player. That, he's I that mean, he's kid in his third that, year, that, you know. He was the star pitcher in a Little League World Series game, got drafted by a college team, had a free ride to the majors, and flunked out. It's kind of what he's going through right now. I mean, I think we can all admit that. But please, if you're going to come out, and talk shit about a driver or drivers in this case, and then wash over their statistics by trying to say he cost Elliot Sadler a championship when Elliot couldn't pass him, but I think it was William Byron who had absolutely no problem doing it, then shut up. Stop making race fans look dumber. So to you, Ultimate 23 Dragon, at Ultimate 23 Dragon, you win our DARF comment of the week, and please pawn the award and go to night school with the money so you can learn how to spell your handle properly, because I guarantee nobody else had the actual Ultimate 23 Dragon on Twitter. You just screwed up its spelling. So go learn something. Thank you. It's so stupid. It's so stupid. <laughs> so stupid. So stupid. I still need to watch that movie. Yes, I know it. I know it's a classic. <laughs> I haven't gotten to it yet. Search results yield no... Nothing for Ultimate Dragon 23. Ultimate, uh, try Ultimate 23 Dragon. I'm sorry. I must have screwed that up a few times on here at least. I think I said Ultimate Dragon 23 like three times, but it's actually Ultimate 23 Dragon. Yeah. I'm I'm not even reading it. I'm just like, whatever, you're meaningless to me. So, Go to the news. Let me see here. Nope, just her. All right. So... What a terrible failure. And why does she like Johnny Benson? The only thing he was good at is super uh, super modifieds. Johnny's a nice guy. He had a little bit of Johnny success. Johnny had great success in that white. Watch the Slap Juice video on that white Pontiac. I know about that white car that turned into the Lycos car. It was awesome. Johnny just ne- he was one of those racers who was really good locally, got a shot, and that shot wasn't so great. He, had, he, he al- had almost won the Daytona 500, but didn't. He had to fight. He had a. Uh, he was another kind of he like four A kind of guy. Johnny he was, was better than the equipment he had. No, Johnny yeah. was not a four A driver. He was he was double A farm team. He won the he won the Bush Championship, didn't he? Not he might have. He was a Bush Series champion. Look that that's up. Why he, he's he might have. Yeah. Well, typically that's triple A, bro. Well, typically, oh, whatever. Major league teams typically reach from double A instead of triple A because triple A are mostly guys who flunked out of the sport. Double A is the guys they're usually bringing up. So, uh, anyway, <laughs> he's probably a triple A player. Anyway, we have a new segment on the show that is kind of um, 
not really all the time. What's the word I'm looking for here? Um, infrequent. It, it's yes. going to happen from time to time. Yeah, probably every week for, you know, as every long as we do the show. Every so. week or every other week because we record on a Monday, but everything comes out on a Tuesday. Uh, it is the news from the day we released the show. Yeah, breaking news from last week. Breaking news from last week, essentially. That's a little hot, but that's okay. Breaking news from last week that everybody already knows about. All right, so NASCAR issues a deduction of 50 driver and 50 owner points to the 41 of the aforementioned Cole Custer for code of conduct and performance obligation violations. He was also fined $100,000, and crew chief Mike Shiplett was fined $100,000. Oh, Jesse was right. Johnny Benson was the 95 Bush Series champion and the 96 Cup Series Rookie of the Year. I like being right. Well, you're right a lot when it comes to the trivia stuff. So, Anyway, crew chief Mike Shiplett fined $100,000 and suspended indefinitely. Uh, they've made a lot of changes to the notes on this, but I guess performance obligation, it's like NASCAR requires its competitors to race at 100% of their ability with the goal of achieving the best possible finish in the, in the event. Any competitor who takes action with the intent to artificially alter the positions of the event or encourages, persuades, or includes others to artificially alter the finishing positions of the event shall be subject to penalty from NASCAR specified Section 10 violations of disciplinary actions, etc., etc. Well, maybe if they, you know, if they listened to the Scene Vault podcast, mm-hmm. they probably would have had a little bit better way to code stuff off because remember the Ronnie Thomas episode oh, where, yeah. where he goes, yeah, uh, check the water temp. And so that meant to spin out, you know, because you got paid for it or whatever. Oh, know? yeah. The big teams used to pay the little guys to. Uh... Yeah. If they needed a caution or whatever. So it's like, oh, yeah, Richard needed a caution. Or Junior Johnson needed a caution. You know, he said, yeah, oh, check the water temp. Mm. So something like that would have been a little bit Less well, innocuous, you Here's know? what I get from it, okay? They don't have onboard tire pressure monitoring systems, I don't think. No. And he says, hey, I think you got a flat checkup. Yeah. How do you know? <laughs> That's the driver's job, sir. It's just like, it's oh, you just... Telescope. It's like, oh, you just gave that away. Yeah. Yeah. Dummy. <sighs> anyway. Also, NASCAR extends an olive branch to the teams by offering to provide the updated frame sections uh, to the cars for when they are developed. You know, the aforementioned stiff rear frame sections that have been creating driver concussions all year long. They're trying to redesign it, and NASCAR said, hey, you know, we probably goofed up on this, so we're going to help the teams out with this one. So they extended an olive branch by saying they might provide it so that the teams don't have to buy it. Okay, it's good. So that's a, you know, a warranty issue. Yeah, basically. Let's kill that. (laughs) That was our news from the week before that everybody already knew about. But we missed because we record too early. (laughs) Let's turn Phil back up because I think we... uh, Okay. Yeah. Am I dead? Well, you were a second ago, but then you just killed everyone's eardrums. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Anyway... Couple more. Let me talk louder. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Again, this is uh, par for the course for us. Worst episodes ever. All right. Also announced was uh, Kurt Busch announced he would retire from, quote, unquote, full-time racing. And Tyler Reddick would replace him in the 45 next year as 2311 would buy out 
the remainder of Reddick's RCR contract in the worst kept secret in NASCAR right now. Wait, yeah, let me let me put my surprise face on. Wow, so surprised. Yeah, we all knew that was coming. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I still think I still think Richard Childress is going to go out and try and get a third charter because he clearly has the intention of starting a third team. No, he's not. With, well, I don't know if it's <laughs> no, going to be not. Austin Hill or Sheldon Creed or someone else, but, I mean, he's already put Austin Hill in a cup car once this year. What about the other Austin, as in uh, not Austin Dillon, but Ty? No, Ty, 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 Ty might, nah, Ty's probably going to Spire. Yeah, he's going to the Spire 77. So he's going to be demoted to so he, R&D driver. Pretty much, yeah. Well, he sucks. So, I mean, what do you want? I guess, you know, he must have been. He's like <laughs> you know? Prince Harry or whatever. The bastard It's D-class RCR equipment. So yeah. he's like Prince Harry in the fact that he's not actually, like, part of the royal family because his father like, was different than Prince Charles. And, he's uh, not he got, bald, he, dude. They had to push him away. Well, he's a ginger, and he looks like the well-spoken man, and his mother was... Princess Diana, who would married into the family and then divorced out of it. Right. That's all I know about the royal family. So. <laughs> oh, wait. That's literally. Spires Hendrick supported, not RCR supported. Are they? I don't know. They're so low yeah, on the totem Spire, pole. I don't remember, Spires got the truck team and. Uh, oh, they've yeah. Had that's Hendrick right. Cars on it and all that stuff. Well, that's interesting. The truck team that's actually super competitive every time they put someone decent in it. Yeah. Oh, okay. So now he's a spy. All right. Well, he's got he got promoted then. I think they already worked together on. <laughs> he he got promoted things. to spy. <laughs> All right. He's Ty, I, I respect Ty Dillon, not as a driver, really, but the fact that he's not willing to take a free ride from Pop Pop. He has come out straight out and said, "I want to carve my own path. I'm going to do my own thing," and I respect that. Which because I, a lot of these. Absolutely would not do. <laughs> no, it's not. I wouldn't. I wouldn't do it either if I had a grandfather like Richard Childress. Because let's be fair, Richard Childress is still B class equipment. Yeah. It's decent stuff. I mean, if Austin Dillon can win in it, Ty definitely can. Because I think Ty was the better driver back in the day. But mm. <laughs> well, at least in the truck series. I don't know about Xfinity mm. or Bush or whatever. Mm. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's, I can. It's I can. I can debate that, but it's admirable that he does. Ty that, drives but... more like his father than Austin. Uh, is that a good or a bad thing? <laughs> I think it's a bad thing. Oh, but yeah. I think Mike Dillon had a lot of raw speed. Usually, he did a lot of Just ASA didn't... stuff, right? Yeah, he did a lot of ASA stuff, push stuff. Is he um, related to Dillon Chassis at all, or is that a different guy? No idea, actually. Because I know Mark Martin was deep in Dylan stuff when, but Dylan was—they were located somewhere else, weren't they? I don't remember. So I think they're in Indiana. Yeah, something like that. I can't remember. I don't know. My car's a Dylan chassis, nineteen ninety-three. Well, freaking prehistoric creature. Stick a Q-tip up its ass and do an ancestry test. I don't know how they do that. Whatever. There's a number tag on it. If I really cared enough, I would look. <laughs> Send him a message. Yeah. Anyway, we got to mention this real quick. It's some local news. Um, I'm going to take this quote directly from distinguished motorsports writer from the area, Mark Bones Bush. Is it Boucher? Boursier? 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 I don't know Boursier. how to pronounce Mar uh, Bones' last name. Yeah. We just know him as Bones. He's a longtime writer for. He did circle track stuff, and then he did. He uh, did stock car racing, stock car racing, and Speedway Illustrated. Speedway Illustrated. Yeah, he's from he's from the area, um, probably New England area, but. 
I felt I have to mention this because Mar- uh, Bones is a killer writer, but I got to mention the passing of Pete Fiendaka. Uh, sorry, I keep screwing names up. Fiendaka. Um, he says, quote, New England Racing lost a legend with the Sunday passing of Pete Fiendaka. Peter raced for damn near 50 years, and his documented feature win total was well north of 325. His body of work was a testament to hard work and backyard ingenuity. Known as the traveling man for his willingness to haul his self-built number 135 stock cars from Maine to Florida, he won and won in a wide variety of divisions, always the low-dollar underdog. There were days in the 70s when Peter and his right-hand man Steve Bird, who went on to national acclaim as a NASCAR Bush Series championship crew chief, would haul from Massachusetts to New Jersey for a midweek race with just enough money to get there and zero money for the return trip, but they raced smart and always bagged enough uh, payoff dollars to get back home. It wasn't until 1978 that Peter even had a garage. Prior to that, he braved the elements to build and maintain his cars in the backyard of his parents' home, and winters in Fitchburg, Massachusetts can be brutal. In the modified portion of his career, Fiendaka won feature events at Riverside Park, Westboro, Seekonk, and Pines in Massachusetts, and at Monadnock, Hudson, and Star in New Hampshire. Lots of folks will recall the drab yellow coupe, he says pictured here, but I don't have the post, obviously, with a smile. Westboro held a coupe's only race in November of, he thinks, 1976, and not wanting to miss a chance to compete, he and his crew chief, Birdie, yanked off the gremlin body, which is awesome. I love that they put a gremlin body on a modified, and installed this horrendous old coupe shell. They took the beast to Westboro and won the show. In 1980, deciding that modifieds had grown too costly, he went late model racing and won 30 of his 62 starts that year, running Thursdays at Monadnock, Fridays at Stafford, Saturdays at Westboro, and Sundays at Thompson. He was that season's track champion at Monadnock, Westboro, and Thompson. In total, he earned at least 15 track championships. He had an endearing habit of inviting children out of the grandstands to join him in victory lane. If the guard at the flag stand gate protested that only family members were allowed onto the track, Peter would declare, but they're all my kids. He was damn near a folk hero to blue-collar racers and blue-collar fans, and he outlasted many team owners who came into the sport with deep pockets, loud mouths, and too much optimism. I can't think of anything Fiendaka loved more than a summer Saturday or a summer Sunday because on Sundays he could often race twice, scooting from an afternoon program at Monadnock to an evening event at Hudson or Thompson. He was a no-brainer choice for his induction several years ago into the New England Auto Racers or near Hall of Fame. His last few years on this earth were a sad story of ill health and awful aches and pains that were souvenirs from injuries he shrugged off in the 70s and 80s because there was always another race he had to get to tonight or tomorrow. But right up until the end, almost every telephone conversation with him included lots of laughter and stories about long-ago races, old friends, race town taverns, and all the crazy things that happened along the way. I wish these folks, who only saw him race late in his career, 
could have seen Pete Fiendaka in the days when he stretched dollars and squeezed nickels and almost always found a way to run up front or damn close to it. He was a championship driver who was also a championship character, and he'll be missed more than he ever would have realized. To know him was to love him, and I knew him. Bones Borsier. Very nice. I want him to write my epitaph. He'll probably die before me, but... (laughs) Can you pre-write that for me, Bones? That would be awesome. I have to be honest, I never heard of this guy. (laughs) If you've ever seen old pictures of a 135 car, you've seen him. Uh, I got a picture. Never seen it. I've got a picture I'm bringing up right now. Hopefully it's not too washed out. Something like that. That's Pete. Uh, I don't... I mean, the the scheme looks familiar, but... That's his latest... People ran black cars with white bottom stripes, so... Yeah, I mean, that was one of his later cars. So, probably his yeah, park I mean, car, it, yeah. But. Definitely a sad loss for the community. I just, I don't have any understanding of, like, the impact of what he did in, in racing. So, he was it's, one of those. It's hard for me, because I came in so late into the sport. That's yeah, the problem. He was, he was an older guy. You know, people who came up in racing in the 60s, 70s, 80s, they definitely would know who the guy is, especially around this area. Right. I mean, we came into it, you know, late 80s through the 90s, 2000s. So we were basically a generation behind Pete. But, you know, he left a lasting mark. And I felt the need to kind of celebrate that on the show. And Mark, well, Bones, kind of put it perfectly. So I'm like, who better to eulogize somebody than someone who knew him? So I said, okay, I'm not going to do it. I'll let him do it. So I figured I'd add that in. All right, so I will go into some local stuff because I was at Waterford for two of the three days. I didn't make the third day because I had my son's birthday party, so I didn't go. No big deal because I have the notes from the press release on Sunday, so whoever wrote that, if it was Mitch, I apologize if I screw it up. So I was there Friday, Saturday. We had a bunch of races. It was the Finale, not quite finale at Waterford, which Stafford does their fall final, not final. Waterford also does the same thing. They have another race going after this. Well, so. what's the race after this? Uh, Oktoberfest, Smacktoberfest, whatever the hell it is. I don't know. But they got Acton Pass and Northeast Street Stock Regionals. So Yeah, but they don't have like modifieds or many stocks or... Uh, I don't remember what they've got, yeah. but you'll have to check their website. Uh, by the way, they do a really good job of posting the schedules on their Facebook page, so you don't really have to you know, bother Mitch with messaging him. You can just go on their Facebook page. I keep knocking my camera over. Not like anybody can see it, so I don't have to apologize, but you know, whatever. All right. Waterford Friday. They had Bandoleros, X-Cars, Super X-Cars. Uh, and American Vintage Modified. So it was a week Wednesday night show. Moving on. I think Friday, yeah. Then the videos are being posted up right now. Yeah, it was just, it was posted Friday night. I did the single cam shoot. All those videos are up on Speedball History's YouTube channel. I think it's youtube.com slash Speedball History. So you can go there and get that. All right, so let me go through a couple little line, rundowns here just so I can give people some credit because, you know, it's the end of the year. They deserve credit. Bandoleros, these things are weird at the speed bowl this track's like way too big for them 
And it's like watching a plate race in cups or uh, you know NASCAR. I was going to say Talladega. It's hilarious. It's a three-eighths mile track, and if you pull out a line, you're doomed. The train just goes by you. <laughs> I'm not kidding. So, yeah, they had like five cars, but, I mean, it was actually kind of interesting. Uh, the Vanass cousins, I thought they were brothers, but apparently they're cousins, uh, led early, but even with only five cars, it was kind of interesting. It was like a plate race, like I said. Uh, Melania Shalowski, who I believe won the Wednesday night championship. God bless you. I sne- oh, I get it. Was fast, but <laughs> she was fast, but got shuffled out of line early. So to the back she went. Uh, managed to, but she. Uh, I'm sorry, I stepped over myself there. But she managed to make her way back to the front and then got spun late in the race. So she went forward, backwards, forward, spun. That sucks. Let's see here. the The win came down to the two Vanass boys. Uh, I believe it was Colin Vanass and uh, Ryan Jr. Seekonk people. So if you know the last name, it's like, yep, okay, that sounds familiar. Uh, let's see. Colin Vanass won over his, I believe, cousin, Ryan Jr. So it was all Vanass front row there, or uh, one-two finish. Uh, let's see. American Vintage Modifieds. This name will sound a little bit familiar to people around here. Mike, Ta- is it Tashero? Tashero. Tashero, is that it? Don't know. Yeah. The racing school guy. Yeah, sure. I'm I'm leaning on Phil here because he knows Mike. So <laughs> he's he he owns the racing school. I think he runs it with Glenn Boss, if I'm not mistaken, up at Thompson. Yeah, good dude. Mm-hmm. I believe he used to race back in the day, and then he decided to start doing this. Probably makes money doing this. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, instead of actually racing, because racing takes money. Anyway, he won, but as it's a rolling car show, it doesn't really matter. Um, everybody knows my opinion on vintage cars. Anyway, X cars. All right, this was kind of interesting. Good, something I watched actually. Yeah, the battle between Pete Zacharite and Christian Herman was literally all race long. It was literally twenty five ba- uh, twenty five laps of battling high low and through lap traffic. It was entertaining, however you want to slice it. Uh, Zacharite led the whole thing until the last lap, when Herman finally made the outside work. And he was digging hard out of turn four and managed to win by a nose by, let's see, it was .073, so like 73 thousandths of a second. Yeah, that was a good race. That was a damn good race, and it was clean, too. So they I had 15 was, cars, I think, or something. Yeah, it's a Saturday Which race. It's not bad. It's at the end of the year. It's non-points. Okay. A lot of people that show. That was a good race. Yeah, it was good. All right, Super X cars, which are essentially now street stocks from when we started racing because they let that division get ruined. Uh, Ray... <laughs> It used to be my favorite division back in the early 2000s when it first started because they had like 40 cars. That's because I raced it. No, no, no. I'm talking Super X's. Oh. I liked Street Stocks before you raced them. Oh, okay. Like 90s and stuff? Yeah, anyway. Uh, Ray Reed led the first half of the race until a yellow flew for a big mess in turn one. A couple cars went through the flooded infield and splashed the entire puddle into turn one, I saw somebody drive through the wave. It was not a splash. It was a wave of water. And you could watch the water hit their windshield and go whoosh right up over the roof. I'm like, oh, everyone got soaked there. Jumped in muddy puddles. It didn't spin out, though, somehow. I don't know how, but that took a while to clean up. That gave Billy Ream a shot at the lead, and he would take it and lead the entire second half of the race and take down the win. Don't remember a lot from that one. So, anyway. 
Sorry if I skip over your races or really kind of don't give a great update, but if there's not a lot of action, I can't do a lot with it. You know what I mean? It's like, unlap this. This person led again, and no one passed. Well, share, share Speedball History's video on YouTube. Yeah. I'm, share it. If, do yeah, it. Go ahead and watch that Promote if you your want. stuff. I mean, That's shoot. Fine. You know? It was, yeah, it was still an entertaining race. It was a good one. You know, it's a hell of a restart there by Bill. So, Yeah, he nailed it. Yeah. Uh, let's see. All right. Waterford Saturday. They had TQ Midgets, Legends Cars. Oh, can I read the acronym? It's, hang on, hang on. I'm almost done. NEMA Lights and Street Stocks, NEMAs, and Speed Bowl Trucks. They had a good lineup here. Yeah, the, the acronym for the TQ Midgets is longer than the car. It's the A-T-Q-M-R-A-L-G-B-T-Q-P plus plus. Q-I-A. <laughs> holy crap. I don't think that's the acronym. Anyway, um, they do the, the – these cars are the ones that you see if you go to, like, those stadium races. The indoor races without the wing. Yeah, the, the indoor wing. races. Yeah, without the wing. Yeah, when they're running outside at a bigger track, they put I'll the wing I'll tell you what, on. though. This is, Waterford's a nice track for the midgets. It's a nice size. These things rip, by the way. Oh my god! Oh, yeah, just listening, listening to the video gave me tinnitus because of how thing, how high they rev. I'm actually going on <laughs> here and I'm looking up the race results. Finale day two, ATQMRA. Yep, that's it. I, I, I bet they do. Take a guess, because I got it up here. Fourteen fifties. No, they go faster. How much faster? Thirteen eight was the leader's best time in the feature. Jesus Christ. Thirteen eight. What are SK's they, doing? SK's, they killed them off uh, down here. See. SK modifieds practice. Oh, that's not really gonna help because I didn't get any damn no oh, shit bag. Uh let's see. I'm looking for SK practice and then they're really not giving me one here. I'm gonna go back to day one, see if they got it. Uh SK well, okay, let's see this. That told me nothing. Those little <laughs> cars rip, dude. Okay, so 14-something? 15-something? I don't know. I'm not really getting... I'll just say 15 flats, 14-8s, 14-7s, I think, for SKs. I, I don't it, know. It's not I really giving SKs me time. I faster than that. I think so, too, because I think the time... I'm looking on my laps, and it's 14, really not... one or something. It's really not giving me good times. It says the SK lights run 15-4s. I'm going back to a different night of the year. Yeah, me too right now at this point. I mean, it's. I wish I knew what the hell. Feature 14.7. Okay, so 14.7. Winter, winner's time. So what was the TQ midget again? 13.8. 13, so they're almost a second faster. They're second faster than an SK. Let's Jeez, just say a second sucks. faster. That's fast enough, right? How that's many? fucking impressive. How young are the drivers that drive in these little things? Some of them, well, are, some of them are actual men, so it's like... Yeah, they're mostly adults. I hope so, because I mean, like full grown. You know what I mean? Full. They're grown an adult go kart. You need yeah. a, you need some form of an adult to be in Sorry something that. that goes that fast. I'm just glad. You want to know what a Nema midget does? A full grown Nema midget? Little car. That that's we have Nema. to pr- we have to we have to appease <laughs> our, our our fascist left overlords. Okay. Oh, you mean the people who don't care about racing? That's right. They're, oh, okay. They're, they're little cars. Mike Horn, uh, spoiler alert, was the fastest NEMA out there. Yeah. Uh, he ran a, thir- a 13.4. Moving. And these guys are running 13.8s with a TQ moving. midget. Yeah. That's moving. That's yeah. scoot. It's a nice size, I think. They, they, 
really get it and rip it, and they actually put on some good racing before they get single file, you know? Like, the NEMA midgets are the fastest of the small cars around here. Little cars, yes. And the TQs are motorcycle engines, like 750s, I think, and a lot smaller because they're, you know, meant for smaller tracks and stuff. But they're four-tenths off yeah. of a full-blown NEMA. It's like, oh, boy, <laughs> they scoot. It's like, oh, you know what? I'm actually going to keep dragging the show out because I want to look up the NEMA lights because I wanted to see if they're any different. Uh, 14, holy crap, Jake Trainer ran a 14-1. So are the NEMA lights actually faster than the NEMAs in the feature? No, they're not. They're Okay, good. Thank God. I'm like, okay, I got confused for a second. Okay, good. The- the Nemas and Nema lights remind us remind me of the sportsmen and and supers here. We run pretty much just as fast as a super. Yeah, it's a fourteen. Yeah. It's a fourteen one for a Nema light. It's a thirteen four for a regular Nema, mm-hmm. and three quarter midgets are four thirteen eight. They scoot. They're fast. Holy God! So anyway, TQ midgets. This was, I think, the first red flag of the night. Uh, <laughs> spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> Don't know what happened to that one. Uh, first lap, Brianna Page turtled her car coming off a of turn two with minimal damage. No idea what happened. Just fell over. It, it fell over. I That's watched it fall over. That's normal for a TQ midget. I'm like, whoop, that one's over. Didn't and see what happened, but. She probably could have kept going if it didn't. Not damage. You know, I don't know if it. it well, from the naked eye, it probably screwed something up in the steering. Yeah, it also leaked oil out of it, so they're probably like, well, we don't know how much leaked out of it, so screw yeah. it. We're not going to take the risk. And I wouldn't. I wouldn't take the risk. Well, yeah, once they go inside, you, you you risk running the engine without oil, and it's just not And good. you could have broke a tie rod or something, so it's like, yeah, it's not worth it. Uh, let's see. Tyler Ferris grenaded an engine with three to go big. Uh, but Matt Janish, he led every lap en route to the win, basically unchallenged the whole way. Someone in their podium interview mentioned clean air, and I tuned out after that. Oh, <laughs> oh that gives me the deuce chills. Uh-huh. Someone who didn't need clean air was the Legends cars, because holy crap, there was our, I think, first or second feature that went 45 minutes. Okay. Brody Monahan got to the lead after bumping Wade Umki. Umki? That's the guy I have the problem with the name. I'll just say Umki. Before halfway, nine to go, Dylan Cody and Dylan Freeman went hard in the turn three wall. That was a big hit. Bringing out another caution. Five to go, Umki spun on his own in turn one, and about five or six cars wrecked and uh, brought out a red flag for our second one of the night. Uh, two more cautions only clicked off, I think, one complete lap in those. But Brody Monahan and Isaiah Newcomb put on a battle for the lead, trading it multiple times in the last few laps until Newcomb made a strong move to the bottom to take the lead and ultimately the win. Monahan would claim the championship on Saturday Night Legends cars. Time of the race, 46 minutes. <laughs> what happened? Oh, all those yellows, man. There was a yellow here, yellow there. Cars would wreck, red flag, clean up. All this uh, just, it dragged forever. Let me see. Legends cars. Oh, it doesn't do the, oh, total time. Yep, 46 minutes, one second for Isaiah Newcomb. Brody Monahan is going to be a damn shoe. He's going to get there. I mean, it's not going to happen overnight, but no. to, to come out and essentially your first full-time Legends season and win the title 
It's pretty impressive. They had 20 Legends cars. That's it's amazing what an INEX sanctioning and uh, guys yeah. having the night off everywhere else will do, huh? Hey, guess who was right about that? Us. Yep. Anyway. Well, more specifically, you. Well, I mean, it feels good to be right. When it? when they didn't have INEX sanctioning and they ran these races, they didn't have that count. Well, now they have That's INEX sick. sanctioning, and now they pull counts if they, you know, can draw cars. I know it's the end of the year, and I know nobody else is racing, but that's kind of how it goes if you can get them in there. Can I just say, on behalf of the racing community, especially the Legends Division, hmm. you're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. NEMA Lights. A lot of those cars. And I believe, yeah, this was another 40-something minute race. The NEMA Lights remind me of the SK Lights. Because <laughs> the SK Division, it's kind of like a club, almost, mm-hmm. really. Because you got to be either... In the cool crowd to do to run fast or have the right connections or or whatever to do well and with the SKLA I think more people feel like they have the chance because I don't think it matters about cost because racing costs as much as anything else it, it, it's always going to be expensive no matter what division yeah you know so I think the same thing goes in the NEMA license where the NEMA regular guys I mean they run the series they run the they run the division. They run everything, you know. So the the big NEMA cars are, you know, the they're the in crowd or whatever. Whereas the NEMA lights, you feel like you have a chance. Yeah, part of its rules, part of its, you know, everything else with the economy of the crate motor and the spec shocks. Yeah, those two. Oh yeah. Are you, are you admitting they make things more competitive? Well, I mean, no, they. I don't think they make things more competitive. I just think that it cuts out. You bring in more competition, not really making it more. It, competitive, it cuts right? out the uh, nepotism factor. That too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, I got to go. Hang on. A not second. fully admitting anything yet. I'm still. I'm still uh, irreconcilably. <laughs> Stubborn. There it is. <laughs> you right. will have a crate motor in your car by the end of next year. I'm calling it. Bullshit. All right. Nima Lights. <laughs> Jake Trainer Joey Bailey traded the lead throughout the race, but this thing took forever with a bunch of cautions and a red flag. Another red flag for a hard wreck in turn three. Time of the race had to be the same of the legends as if if not longer. I'm pretty sure Jake Trainer did win. Joey Bailey second. Um, the Race monitor says it was 32 minutes. My camera said otherwise because I didn't shut it off. And I think it said like 42 minutes. So we'll see who's actually correct. It's not like you're going to have to watch all of that on Speedball History's YouTube channel. Because no, it's only about 12 to 15 they minutes. They cut out all that. Actually, you know what? I might have cut footage. So maybe it was right. Maybe it was 30 minutes. Who knows? It took forever. It took way longer than it needed to. It felt longer. Uh, it's a 25-lap race that took 32 minutes. So, yeah. Shouldn't have taken that long when you're doing 14 seconds a lap. Moving on to someone with actual car counts and excitement. Street stocks. Were there car counts? Fuck yeah, there was car counts. Oh, yeah. Old school street stocks returned. Let me see if I can find the actual car count. 24. 24. Pretty good. Not bad. For Whoa. the Speed Bowl, that's, that's good. 10 more than they had all year long, usually. Pretty much, yeah. Well, was this open or regular street This was stocks? the regular street stock race. No question on if anybody was actually running their open car, but eh. 
All right, so Tony Macrino, I spoke to him the day before. We had a nice conversation for like 15 minutes or so because I was hanging around. Tony's such a good dude. He's a fun guy. Um, So I was BSing with him, and uh, he absolutely dominated this thing. But the drama was thick behind him. He was just kind of having a Sunday drive, well, Saturday drive at this point. Because Brian Norman and Sean Gatekey were around each other for like the whole race, but they were only separated by like six points in the championship with Gatekey ahead. Now, I know they have that weird point system. I think it's like 32 for a win and 29 for second and one point after that per position. Uh, Norman eventually got by Gatekey, but so did Invader Corey Fanning. And boy, did Corey not make any friends that night. Uh, <laughs> Corey's good at that. I love racing with Corey, but he has his uh, nights. He definitely had a night this night. Um, did he go full Seekonk? Oh, he went full Seekonk. Okay. <laughs> um, and it was hilarious to me. <laughs> a lot of bad habits develop at Seekonk. Oh, they do, yeah. He, it's Maybe short- even a few addictions. <laughs> <laughs> a little extra short track of the racing. When, when you're around all those guys that talk with their hands, you, you kind of race a little harder. I guess so, huh? <laughs> so uh, Fanning would make a lot of contact with uh, Nate Taylor and get, to get up front, which Taylor wasn't extremely happy about. And then contact between Fanning and Norman knocked Norman out of oh, out of the points contention and to the back because he spun out, and Fanning also joined him at the rear because he was penalized. Uh, contact between Norman and Zach Mead back in the pack sent Mead into the turn one wall, and Mead tried his best Bowman Gray impression by trying to drive up the track and smash into Norman as he drove by under caution. Yeah, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt here, but I mean the last thing you want to do is somebody coming in on from the outside to the last points event of the season mm-hmm. is to affect the championship that's not a good not a good look he didn't hit him with the bumper he got him with the side kind of and it right the right rear to left rear contact hopped wheels yeah still it doesn't it's, matter yeah i mean I you got to be extra cautious around everybody else it's i like just, to give him a little bit of a courtesy who's running the championship you know you wouldn't is- want somebody to come to your track and fuck up your your title chase. You know what I mean? I wouldn't want to do that. If now. some asshole came to Thompson and just fucking drilled me and I was in the points hunt and turned me around, I'd probably punch him. Or shoot him. <laughs> are, are we talking about Mead or Fanning? No, Fanning turned around um, Norman. I don't think he did it on purpose. Obviously, it was side contact, but it was, Yeah. you know, it. you don't, you got to be more cautious than that, you know? I know you're racing, you want to win, but... <laughs> Again, you got to be courteous of the guys who are actually running in the points. So, Don't do that. Um, again, Zach Mead tried to do his best Bowman Gray impression. So that was entertaining. Uh, Macrino fought off Al Stone on the final restart, and in the ensuing fracas, grizzled veteran Eddie Gertsch managed to wriggle his way onto the podium because there were cars all over the damn place. And Eddie's like, you guys are idiots. I think he said it in his podium interview. He's like, these guys are racing like idiots. I'm just going to hang out and let them just crash, and I'll just pick up the pieces. Well, he picked it up to a third-place finish. <laughs> that sounds about like Eddie. Eddie knows yeah. what time it is. He's been around the block a few times. Yeah, he's not an idiot. He's not a stranger to this kind of stuff. Yeah. So he raced his way onto the podium. Macrino won this race. It was his second on the year. Uh, Gatiki won the title, his second in the division. And... Uh, I heard a lot of people talking in the stands. They're like, well, his first one was kind of eh because there was no competition and no cars. This one, he had to kind of earn it. And I, yeah. you know what? I agreed with him. 
So he's he's come along a long ways. So rate the burnout. Oh, the burnout was about a eight and a half out of ten. Just because yeah. he could have he could have put more wheel speed to it, but it's a street stock. Got to give him credit. Jeez, the West, the East German judge gives him an eight point five. He had a little. <laughs> it was pretty good. No, it, it, it's not a ten. <laughs> it's all right. There's no such thing as a ten. No, there's no such thing as a ten, 10 and unicorn. there's no such thing as a zero. It was an eight and a half. That's a pretty good rating. So I give him a lot of credit. That was a good burnout. I really, really like Sean, and I think he's a great kid. Works hard and doesn't drive like an I, idiot. No, he's not an idiot. He, he he was a bit of a hammer when he started out, and, and I think that was a product of his his learning basis and working around. Sorry, Ryan, uh, but <laughs> they I mean, uh, he's he's become pretty damn good shoe, and I'd like to honestly see him get into a late model at some point and see what he can do. Yeah, his car owner Don, they're, they're nice people too, so. Oh, they're great people. I I hate to say it in the public, but I think half the reason Sean got that ride was because I got kicked out of it by someone who was not really involved in it. And it's, it wasn't Don. It was his friends who are no longer with us. So, um, yeah, that kind of drove me away from it. Don's good people. I like Don. I like Sean. I like those guys. And I'm glad they got together. They obviously have something very good going. And things happen for a reason. So that happened for a reason for them. You know what's been really fun is to watch guys like Chris Meyer and Ryan Waterman and Sean Gadeke and the younger guys that were kind of hammery when they were younger, watch them mature and, and hone their craft and become really good drivers. Yeah. I would I would put all three of them in anything. Yeah. Sean, I've win. said it on the show before. Sean races like he owns the car. So he's an owner's dream because he doesn't tear shit up. And he also gets a good finish out of it. He takes what he gets. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. Sean gets what the car will give him, and he doesn't try and force it to get more unless there's something big on the line. And I think he'll probably hone it better, too, as time goes on. He doesn't have a lot to really weed out or iron out at this point. But, um, yeah, it, it can only get better from here, I think. Basically, he's losing on equipment at this point. But Absolutely. is he really losing? You know what I mean? He won a couple races, or a few races, I should say, and the title. So it can't be that far off, let's be honest. All right. Let's move on to NEMAs. Um, I think they should really get rid of the NEMAs and just do NEMA lights because they have, like, twice as many NEMA lights as NEMAs, to be fair, and just make it one thing. Because then you could make it a little more prestigious or something. I don't know. I'm just throwing ideas out there, but I don't run this thing. Anyway, Mike Horn led every lap. Uh, caution for Matt O'Brien early was not going to change the outcome. Todd Bertrand got close after the restart, but Horn was still untouchable, and he won. Literally all the notes I wrote about that race. Speedball trucks. Here's a fun one. This one was close. Eddie Ryan and Kyle Giro. They started on the second row, but they got around the front too early, and it was basically a cat-and-mouse game from there. Point leader Emma Monahan had a quiet race as she ran her own line and preserved the truck. She was not going to get involved in anything stupid in this thing. But the battle for the lead got heated late as uh, Giro caught Ryan in the waning laps of this green-to-checker race, 
It's so thankful it was green to checker because we had some serious shit shows. By the way, <laughs> she's one to catch back up. By the way, street stock race that was about forty five minutes as well. Oh, for God's sake! Yeah, my camera said forty something minutes. So because we don't turn them off if we have in car cameras, we're just rolling. So I'm so glad you don't have to use tape anymore. Oh, that's that was awful. Um, let's see. Uh, with two to go, Giro made a move to get under Ryan, and they ran hard for the last two laps. Giro moved up a hair off of four, but Ryan had enough room to beat him back to the line by 17 thousandths of a second, literally the front bumper. Oh. Sounds like he gave him a little extra because I believe Giro owes Ryan one. Yeah, he, he moved him up. He moved him up before. a little, but he, he's he wasn't going to run him out. You know, he's just like, whatever, I'll run you hard that last lap, but I'm not going to run you out. And he didn't. He lived up to Kyle's it. Kyle's so, super fun to drive, race with, too, because he, he'll run you hard as hell, but he will not be an asshole. Kyle had to the <laughs> Kyle had to graduate from the school of us. He had to race with us fucking animals up at Thompson for a few years. <laughs> it, it was so much fun, too. It, I mean, he won the title, what was it, the second year? Yeah. 18? Yeah, second season. <laughs> Jesse smirks. <laughs> All right, we're going to leave it at that. Um, yeah, I don't think he... He never won a race in a street stock, but he won the title. But he made up for it because he's winning races in the truck, so whatever. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Well, Waterman never... Uh, Sorry, Phil. You never just won a race in us. the 2016 season and won the title, too. That's true. He didn't. Anyway. Sorry. I remember because I got out of the car in Victory Lane and heard everybody cheering and then realized they were cheering for him. Weird. <laughs> Anyway, so Emma Monahan would wrap up the truck title, making it two for two for championships for the Monahan children. Both of them pretty impressive in their first full-time seasons in their division. And, side note, she became the first female Saturday night champion, according to I don't know who, but it wasn't Sid, and he's not here to correct me because we lost him on Zoom earlier. So anyway... That's an interesting tidbit of info. I don't know. Someone's going to have to correct me on that one. But anyway, we'll go to Waterford Sunday, which I wasn't there for. Neither was Jesse. <sighs> Neither is my internet, apparently. I know it's still there, basically. I can still kind of see Phil moving. Um. So anyway, I, I'm just going to lean on. Yep. I'm just going to lean on whoever wrote the press release. And uh, I'm just going to read that off for the whatever happened on Waterford Sunday. All right. So to quote the Speed Bowl... Uh, Facebook page or press release, quote, Stephen Kopsick jumped in the second SK Modified for Ferguson Motorsports for the first time on September 3rd. In only his third start, he was able to park it in victory lane for the first time in the division at the Speed Bowl. He, uh, his one and only win at the Shoreline Oval before this came back in 2013 driving a Legends car on Wild and Wacky Wednesday, apparently. An extra distance feature event... Headline day three of the finale, it was Adam Gaeta and Jeff Malave, there's a name for you, that set the pace in the early stages. Kopsik dove into the corner and was able to pick off both drivers about a dozen laps in, pulling Malave with, uh, by, oh, I'm sorry, by with him. Which name? Jeff, I know, Ma I Jeff know, Malave. I know Gaeta is pretty special. Well, yeah, but I'm saying you haven't heard of Jeff Malave in a while, right? <laughs> no, I haven't. All right. It's like a Bo Gunning came back. At the halfway point, a massive pileup on the restart sent cars airborne in a mad dash across the infield. I can't wait to watch the 
Sid's view on that one, because that's going to be Sid's view, not Speedball history. Did we lose Phil again? Nope, I'm here. Hey, he's there. Good. Thank you. Just right. listening. He's just resting <laughs> his eyes, Brent. Just keep moving. I get nervous. All right. <laughs> we can't check if he's breathing. Stick your finger under his nose. All right. Um, after the cleanup, not in, after the oh. cleanup and racing resumed, Malave began to battle back and clear Copsick on the outside. Kopsik would jump back into the lead three laps later and ride out the rest of the race in the lead, even after a caution with four laps to go. 2022 champion Todd Owen, who had a tumultuous heat race earlier in the day, rebounded from a 16th place starting position to battle for the lead by race's end. He had a taste of second place for a short while until Malave was able to get the better of him with three to go and take the position back. Owen is now the fifth driver in speedball history to have back-to-back championships. Here's a side note from me. He also went back-to-back at Stafford this year, marking two straight seasons where he won championships at both tracks. Never would After it... having never won one before, right? Not in an SK. Right. That's crazy, though. I never thought that a 47-year-old man would would kind of pick up take the torch from Keith Rocco and run with it. But I'm you know, so glad but, for it because it gives me hope. Yeah, yeah. So. I was going to say it gives me hope because I got such a late start. So, mm-hmm. Hey, know. Larry Barnett just won his sixth championship at the age of 60. We got hope, guys. I, so. I, I honestly see no reason Larry can't keep winning either. Oh, God, no. He's very capable. He's um, not done. No, he ain't done for a while. He'll, he'll race until he's Red Farmer, I swear to God. I think um, he's got his fire back, and that's dangerous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm racing guys with a bent chassis and almost beating him. Give me a break. Sorry, I'm biased because... I know, like he's a good dude. Hero. We'll, we'll let him go. <laughs> Late Models competed in a 50-lap special second annual Don Caddick Memorial Race. Jordan Hadley and Ryan Morgan kicked off the event with speed, pulling away from the rest of the field. Jason Palmer and Ray Christian III both methodically worked their way from a mid-pack starting position towards the front when they split Morgan three wide together and began challenging for the lead that Hadley held. Palmer lost control of his car, drawing a caution that set up Morgan and Christian to begin their attack. Contact with the top three would see Hadley go around and send Christian to the rear of the field. Tisk tisk Ray Ray. With 12 to go... Ray, Ray, Ray. Sorry. I forgot he's the third. <laughs> it never gets old. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Morgan was able to keep his car pointed in the right direction and coasted his way to the finish, earning his second win of the season at the Speed Bowl. He was also Thompson Speedway champion. Ray Christian had the late model championship locked up before taking the green flag, which is his first at the track in his career that began in the mini stocks in 2008 at the Speed Bowl. All right. I'm sitting here trying to see who uh, led lap 35 because that's the lap I sponsored in that race. <laughs> oh, shoot. I don't know. Uh, I don't have that pulled up for the, uh, what do you call it, my laps. I didn't I didn't look at it all Sunday. I should have that's pulled it up. That's what I'm doing right now. I know I should have pulled it up, but I never did because it's not in my results page. If you don't look at it that day, it's not in your results page, which sucks. All right, Sammy Anderson was, wasn't was going to be denied in the SK Lights this time out. She pulled into the lead on lap three 
past Ethan DeRocher and survived several cautions, having a near straightaway lead at one point. The field would stack up once sending a few cars into the pits, but Anderson and DeRocher would go on a breakaway and become a two-car show. Anderson was able to strong-arm her way into the lead and secure her first career win. I've just seen nothing but progress out of her this year. Nothing but progress. Sometimes a change of scenery. I believe she's with uh, a different chassis manufacturer or something going on this year Hmm. that's uh, changed her program. Yeah, she kind of ditched Stafford in favor of coming to Waterford. And... uh, I, like I said, I've seen nothing but progress because she used to be a dart without feathers and just kind of lost out there. But now it's like, okay, she's been putting together better runs, coming from the back, passing cars, holding lines better, having more awareness. You just see a progression. You know, I was honestly shocked that she wasn't better right away when she got in one of those, considering she had raced quarter midgets for a while. I think she had some success in them, too. Oh, I'm sure, but, you know, she stepped in those stupid street stocks <laughs> and ruined everything. Well, never mind. I, I know say, the car. I, I drove the car that she drove the year before, and, and I know what it was capable of. And It's a she, bucket. She struggled really bad with that thing. Yeah, that car was kind of a bucket, so... All right, so Tom Abley Jr. only really needed to take the green flag to earn the SK Light Championship, which his race resulted in staying out of trouble for a sixth-place finish to cap off his highly successful season and a return to racing and a new division for him. All right, so Rick LaFleche and Mark Panaroni were the stars of the mini-stocks early stages of the event. That kept, excuse me, that kept being slowed by minor incidents around the track. There was a melee going into turn one with seven to go, taking out Panaroni. Uh, Charlie Canfield was forced to start the race in the rear after a fuel issue during pace laps. He was able to put his car in a position to win when new leader Sam Messick and Charlie Canfield uh, cleared LaFleche for the top two spots. Canfield didn't have enough car to be able to nose in front of Messick, who dominated the final few restarts from the outside groove. Messick scored the win and Rookie of the Year, while Canfield was crowned champion for, I believe, the third time. All right. 27 open street stocks took to the track and put on a very good show for those in attendance. A flat tire sent early leader Brian Norman into the outside wall, which allowed Corey Fanning to make his way to the lead. He and Saturday night winner Tony Macrino took off from the rest of the field with Macrino hot on Fanning's tail. Lap traffic would play a role with just a few laps to go, giving Fanning a clear shot to score the win, locking himself into the Northeast Street Stock Championship event held at the Speed Bowl on October 29th. All right. I believe that is all the notes that I'm going to have to watch all those on Sid's view later when they come out. Uh, yes, because that's I didn't... the only way anybody gets to see Speedwell stuff anymore is through the videos that Sid puts out. Good thing they have the press release or whatever else they would join our new segment, the breaking news from last week. <laughs> breaking news that's already known. Yes. Yeah, so that's all the local stuff I got going on right now. Again, it's the end of the season. We're looking at, uh, you know, season winding down. Again, if anybody doesn't really know, we typically are like every other racing podcast – we take the off season off. 
So just a heads up if you're a casual listener or a longtime listener, reminder. Our last show will be the award show. Yep, it'll be the award show. That'll end season three. And uh, that'll be coming up in a few weeks. Probably what? How many? How many cup races are there left? Like four races four left. Four races well, left. Three races left. No, just three races: Martinsville, Homestead, and Phoenix. I think. Oh, because this first one was the first of the round of eight, right? Right. Okay. Yes. So, speaking of that, we can go to Vegas. We'll talk about some national stuff, just because that's the only thing going on right now. We got a few talking points, I think. I think we got more than a few talking points. We can buzz through the Xfinity Series thing. What about Mark Martin? You want to talk about that, or you want to talk about that later? Uh, I mean, he was at the start of the cup race, so. Okay. But chronologically, it makes sense. Chronologically, though. I'll talk about it later. All right. Um, yeah, I think I got that in my notes. I'll talk Xfinity real quick, just real quick. All right, so Josh Berry got squeezed into the wall off turn four by his teammate. I think it was Allgaier. Late in the race, and he took when he took the lead because there was like nothing that happened. I think Brandon Jones might have spun out once because he's Brandon Jones. Yeah, not a lot he went on. Scheduled tweet. Scheduled tweet. Yeah, not a lot went on until near until the, the end very of the end of the race. Yeah, about yeah. near the end of the race. But I mean, he kind of bounced it off the wall, kept trucking, and uh, he ended up winning. Josh Berry won his way through. He won Vegas earlier this season. He went back to back at Las Vegas, winning there. Not only earlier, but now, later in the year, to lock himself into the championship for it. Phoenix, AJ Allmendinger, two win, two races in a row. Had to pit this time late for a loose wheel. That sucks. And yeah, he they said, oh yeah, it's, it's tight, it's tight. Now nah, driver says it's loose. Driver was right. Driver was right, <laughs> and it knocked him from in the chase to out of the chase. Yep, that sucks. So, just like that. Yep. Well, he's going to go develop college cup team for the next year full-time. So, All right. So, uh, by the way, after the race, contact between teammates Allgaier and Gregson. I'm really not sure what was all about. He lost his brakes, he said. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, lo- yeah Justin Gregson, Allgaier lost his brakes. He didn't have any beef or whatever. Gregson just kind of walked over. He's like, what was that? And he goes, he, there was a very, very short conversation. And it was probably Allgaier going, sorry, my brakes went out. I just needed you to stop me. Yeah. And Gregson was probably like, all right, that was about it. All right, cool. No, <laughs> no, there was nothing going on there. No. Of note, uh, it also looked like everyone made wall contact. Did you notice that? Like everyone's car was scuffed down the right side? Yeah. Hilarious. I also noticed that there's no Fords in the top 10 ever anymore. That's true. You know whose car didn't have scuffs down the right side? And I have to say, I was impressed, even though I thought she'd do well, but. I realistically thought she'd find a way to fuck it up, too. <laughs> uh, I didn't think she would fuck it up. I thought somebody else would fuck it up for her, because that's just how it usually mm-hmm. works out. Well, that's her luck in the truck series, but they don't race like absolute retards in well, the Xfinity series, so... <laughs> I don't I mean, yeah. Me. So, yeah, Haley Deegan had a good run. That was a... I think she finished one spot off of what Phil had predicted. I think he said 14th. She finished 13th. Yeah, I was lucky guess. <laughs> she finished 13th I, I mean, in a car that Joe Crash Jr. can't finish in the top 30 with. So, right. Let's be fair though. She gets more support <laughs> from Ford than than Graf does. Clearly, Graf doesn't this have is a ton true. of talent. Joe Graf doesn't but... need. He couldn't. Oh my God! I'm just not. I'm running out of euphemisms he, at this. point. I don't want him to drive a grocery cart. Couldn't drive cart. his way out of a wet paper bag. I don't want him to drive a grocery cart. He couldn't crash if he. He couldn't crash on the floor if he tried to fall out of his chair. For God's sakes! 
Yeah, the, but yeah. the kid is terrible. But, I mean, hey, that was clearly a Haas-prepared car or something of the sort. It was heavily supported by Ford, and she had good equipment, which, honestly, I think she's good enough that she deserves it. She just probably is going to need a car. Like I was saying to you the other day, Brent, maybe the truck series isn't what she needed because she was used to racing in K&N, and she always did best on dirt where, you know, you got to drive the fucking shit out of the thing well she's off-road pedigree so she's also done yeah. really well at the very short tracks because she was she was moving guys out of the way to it, win races in arca east well, and west it, it's funny what she west it's funny what she could do when somebody's not crashing into her oh yeah it's interesting isn't well yeah it? you know like those jokers in the truck series i mean when she can get when she could you know get to the spot where somebody's not going to crash her yeah the, she does pretty well the talent so that's i get i guess uh yeah, she she could smile about that. That's a very good run. The talent pool good is not as her. diluted yeah. in the Xfinity series. Yep, Bill. Josh yeah, Berry some... in the final four. That's really cool for that. He's a wheel man. He might he he could be the dark he, horse. Yeah. Yeah, he's gonna be dangerous because I think Phoenix is a track that he's gonna excel at. He he ran decent there earlier this year, and I think it races from what everybody seems to say, like a short track, and he's always just lights out on short tracks. Yeah, I had him pegged for the for the Martinsville race coming up. Soon. That's what I thought. Yeah, but I didn't expect. I said I expected him to do well at Vegas just because he won there. But everyone got out of the way early. Yeah, everyone expected Martinsville, but he surprised the hell out of you. So, all right, why don't we move on to the Cup Series at Vegas? We'll start off here uh, by saying this: Mark Martin came to the track and ran his 1998 Vegas winning car around for pace laps, right? Uh, and he got completely snubbed by RFK, which is the former Roush organization, which is still technically Roush owns part of it now. After he showed up to drive, I'm sorry, the winning car and blah, blah, blah. His no, He said that his old team, like nobody came to see him. He posted a tweet. With him and his wife, I think, standing next to the car in the on pit road or inside the infield, and he says, "I was hoping to see some folks from RFK Racing today, but never did." The fan response was overwhelming, though. Thank you to each and every one of you. That's shitty. Yeah, I could kind of see Jack Roush being a little petty. I don't understand why, though. Mark Martin pretty much single-handedly built that organization by winning races. Yes, and. Mark posted a second tweet because of all the the reactions he was getting from the first one. He said, I love Jack Roush with all my heart. I stayed with him 19 years because he gave me a chance when no one else would. If you know Mark Martin's story, that was basically his second try at Cup Series racing, and he made the best of it. We missed a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to get a picture together celebrating a 24-year-old car and a winning moment. So I think Mark's kind of sad about that. Yeah, I don't think he's he's mad. I think he's really sad about it. He's just dis- what it he's, sounds like to me. He's not mad. He's just disappointed. Hurt. And that's the worst. That is like the if someone in your family tells you that, you're like, oh, you're just so defeated. That's Mark Martin right now. He's not I mean, mad. I he's just disappointed. I don't expect hey, Brad Keselowski <laughs> or any of the current management that's new that hasn't been there when he was there or any of the crew members to come I mean, over but brad had jack his own himself, obligations as a driver yeah but jack himself come on 
Don't be a jackass, Jack. Ass. Well, look how many partners, business partners he's had. He's not really a people person. No. I mean, Partnered he's hit with... his head enough crashing airplanes, he probably forgot. That's right. true. Well, I mean, he's partnered with Wayne Gap and did drag racing stuff in the late 70s, mid, early to late 70s. and That then failed. He, yeah, they partnered to, with Bob Corn and Ron Wooder to create basically Roush Industries, you know, which flew into the side of a mountain, and then he got Ford Motor Company deal. And now he's with Fenway, and and it's just uh, yeah, lots of people moving in and out. So yeah, there's a lot of turnover with Jack Roush because he's not the greatest people person, like Jesse said. Have you seen any of the YouTube in car videos of Mark driving that car? I actually didn't. No, I wish I did. A couple times he looks to the right and you catch his eye out of the camera and you can almost see that twinkle like, man, I could still do this. And I honestly think even at his age, he could get in a, in a cup car and wheel it. He's, yeah, he probably still he, has the ability. He keeps up with his fitness, too. He was always a big fitness guy. Yeah. He's still in shape. Like, he's still Mark Martin. But I don't he think he really... looks like he did 20 years ago. He really does. And it's like gray-haired and wrinkled. That's about it. (laughs) It's about the. But listening to him talk, he has zero interest in doing anything with racing ever again. I don't think, because I think I think he's kind of bitter about racing at this point. He's he's on enough podcasts though. He still talks racing all the time. Yeah, he does. But I don't think he wants to be business side. You know what I mean? Like if you're racing, you're in the business. So or or is he one of those guys that? Obviously, he had struggles with alcohol in the past, so he's got an addictive personality. Was that Is him he or one his of those father? Guys? His father was. I thought it was him that had he had oh, I personal it. problems as well. He did very early, I think, but he, I think he kicked that very early as well. So, well, I mean, my point remains: is maybe he's one of those guys where he knows if he if he were to come out and just do a one-off race, then he'd want to do another one and another one and another one and never stop again, like. Yeah, he had to quit cold turkey and cut it off and be like, "Yeah, that's it. I'm done. I'm not going to do it again. It was fun while it lasted. I need to move on." Correct. So anyway, why don't we just jump right into the elephant in the room? Um, later, big controversy that came from this was uh, the Bubba Wallace Kyle Larson incident. Everybody's going to want to hear our opinions, and I've I've already heard from people asking about it. So here it is. Oh, I can't wait. Kyle Larson and Bubba Wallace racing side by side off turn four. Wallace kind of, or Larson kind of squeezed Wallace high. Wallace hit, hit the wall. A lot of walls there. Uh, he then came back across the track, tagged Larson in the right rear, sending them both spinning and crashing, and collecting playoff driver Christopher Bell as well, taking all of them out of the race. This is just a brief general synopsis of it, so I'm just kind of getting through it at this point. Mm-hmm. Wallace then confronted Larson in the infield, began to yell at him, and shove him multiple times. All right. Anybody want quotes before we go into opinions? Go ahead. Wallace said after the incident, quote, Cliff, referring to Cliff Daniels, Larson's crew chief, is smart enough to know how easy these cars break, Wallace told uh, NBC Sports. When you get shoved in the fence deliberately like he did, trying to force me to lift, the steering was gone, and he just so happened to be there. Larson wanted to make a three-wide dive bomb, never cleared me, and I don't lift. 
I know I'm not, I'm kind of new to running at the front, but I don't lift. Uh, let's see. Do you even lift, bro? I yeah. wasn't, I wasn't even in a spot to lift and he never lifted either. And now we're junk. Just piss poor move on his execution. He knows that what he did was wrong. He wanted to question what I was doing. He never cleared me. Okay. So, um, said Larson about the incident. He had a reason to be mad, but his race wasn't over until he retaliated, Larson told NBC Sports. Quote, it is what it is. I think with everything that's been going on here lately with head injuries and all that, fractured ligaments, all that other junk, I don't think it's probably the right thing to do. But hey, we've all done it. Well, maybe not all of us, but I have. I've let my emotions get the best of me before, too. I know he's probably still upset. But I'm sure with everything going on, he'll know that he made a mistake in the retaliation part. And I'm sure he'll think twice about it next time. So Bubba's saying that the steering broke and that's why he wrecked Larson. Well, that's his quote. (laughs) The onboard telemetry from NBC determined that was a lie. Yeah, if you're going to do something deliberate, don't try to cover it up. You just sound like a child. Please. Did he apologize later? Uh, he did apologize later in a post on social media. Would you like me to read it? A scheduled tweet? Here it is. I want to a quote from Bubba Wallace. I want to apologize for my actions on Sunday following the on-track incident with Kyle Larson and the five car. My behavior does not align with the core values that are shared by 2311 Racing and our partners who have played a crucial role in my incredible journey to the top of this great sport. I want to apologize to NASCAR and its fans, along with Christopher Bell, Joe Gibbs Racing, and Toyota for putting them in a situation in the playoffs that they did not deserve. I don't see anything about Kyle Larson. Uh, I compete with immense passion, and with passion at times comes frustration. Upon reflecting, I should have represented our partners and core team values better than I did by letting my frustrations follow me outside of the car. You live and learn, and I intend to learn from this. Sincerely, the best HR department that we ever had. Yes, sincerely. Best PR department. Sincerely, Toyota's PR. I mean, Bubba Wallace. Thoughts? I have some. You go ahead, because I lost my notes. This is going to be good. Because, Because guess what, everyone? Uh, not this is not the first time that racers have ever had a dispute between each other on the racetrack. I have a list, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> a list of all of the. Well, not it's not a comprehensive list. It's just a a list. It's not all of them. It's not complete. It's just a list. But I have a decent list of. Um, and there's a fight of different run-ins and actual penalties and stuff too. Oh, by the right. way, would um, you like to go through some before I begin? Sure. I mean, does anybody here remember Jeff Gordon stuffing Clint Boyer at Phoenix? Yes. Did he ever get yes. penalized for that? Don't remember. No, he didn't. No, because he was Jeff Gordon. Do you remember uh, Jeff Burton stuffing Jeff Gordon at Texas when Gordon tried to run into him? And they fought yes. on the backstretch? 2010? Yes. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Anybody get penalized from that? Don't remember. No, they didn't. Uh, I have a list. <laughs> I wanted. Go ahead, Jess. Uh, uh, I rem- the worst one I've ever seen was Kyle Petty at Daytona shoving Bobby Hillen Jr. after after they were talking after they crashed. Mm-hmm. 
Bobby Hillen Jr. didn't even do anything to Kyle Petty. He just kind of got wrecked into him. He was just kind of involved. And then Kyle Petty was such an asshole. Mm-hmm. He just shoved him. That was the worst one I've ever seen. Because I'm like, why did you shove him? He didn't do anything to you. Why are you being such a dick right now? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was definitely the most egregious one. Yep. Even more than this incident. So, again, I have I have a list that's not comprehensive. I remember Tony Stewart throwing a helmet at... What Michael Waltrip at Bristol? No, it was uh, it was uh, um, Kenseth, I believe. Kenseth at yeah. Bristol. That yep. was a good one. Yep. That was the old two-hander throw. Yeah, he got the double hand overhand. Yeah, and then he did the rile up the crowd wave. Yeah, that was great. That was a good one. Uh, I got Edwards and Keselowski twice in 2010. Once in the Cup Series, one in the Xfinity Series. Yeah, I believe uh, Edwards probably did both of them. <laughs> Uh, he, I believe, he hung a left or, or he hung a right into Edwards, or no, into Keselowski and junked him at Gateway. I want to say, and then Keselowski got drilled, mm-hmm. and then they got together at Atlanta in the Cup Series, and he dumped Keselowski down the front stretch, and that he flipped into the into mm-hmm. the wall, and it crushed the roof of the car. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, I believe there was a probation, and then a sixty point twenty five thousand dollar penalty. Not sure if these are actually accurate or not, so please bear with me. There was the Kevin Harvick Kyle Bush incident at Darlington. I believe they were both fined twenty five thousand uh, dollars. Kyle Bush and Ron Hornaday and that famous one at Texas under caution. Uh, somebody got parked for two races, or somebody got parked for a race. I forget. I know they got parked. Somebody got parked. Kyle in Bush that. got parked. Yeah. Uh, let's see. There was Jeff Gordon and Clint Boyer. Like I said. I believe they got docked points and and money. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think of the famous ones. Oh yeah, Matt Kenseth, Joey Logano at Martinsville. Kenseth, Kenseth I believe, got, got parked. Yeah, he got parked for a couple races. Uh, Two, let's yeah. see. Uh, we're getting kind of recent here. Elliot and Hamlin at Martinsville, no penalties. Uh, it might have been something else. Uh, we're getting more recent here, like. Uh, Let's see here. Hamlin and Bowman in 2021 at Martinsville. No penalty. Uh, this year at Martinsville, Ty Gibbs and Sammy Mayer. I believe there was a $15,000 penalty because there was a post-race pit incident on Pitt Road. Uh, let's see. Noah Gregson, Sage Karam this year when he hooked Karam down the backstretch at Road America. believe there was a $30,000, penalty. We probably covered it on the show. Uh, but then there was uh, Hosevar and Perkins at IRP. believe that was a right rear hook. There was no penalty. So it's all across the board, really. Oh, there's the famous the famous one where Brad Keselowski and Jeff Gordon parked next to each other after getting to it on track, and then Kevin Harvick jumped over the roof and tickled uh, Brad Keselowski's ribs, and then a whole all hell broke loose. <laughs> That was my favorite one ever. I love that one. Yeah. And I mean, you got like, Kevin, don't be a little bitch. And you got Kevin Harvick He's jumping over his and, car at uh, at Greg Ricky Biffle that, just, or Ricky Rudd or somebody. Yeah. Yeah. I, there was penalties be, there. Yeah. Before Jesse goes, I think there's multi layers to this one, though. Yeah. So, first off, clearly intentionally wrecked him. Came across I mean, the track to do it. Well, he throttled up to do it. You could see it on the telemetry. Or oh, he just he never just lifted. Lo- 
No, you, he, so on the NBC telemetry, it dropped out like to half throttle after he hit the wall, and then he legged it and just cranked it left. So uh, there, yes. to me, there's there's strike one. Yep. Strike two is getting out of a wrecked race car and basically cross traffic because shoving his car an official ended up back out of the way. Against, say again. Shoving a medical personnel member out of the way. I believe. Yeah, yeah. you're not supposed to touch them. That's number three. I think that's in the rules. I don't know. I have to look. And it then up. fighting. So there's there's four things that he did wrong here. If this is not a hundred thousand dollar fine or a suspension, I'm gonna be shocked, but also not shocked because of who it is. And I hate to say that, but to be honest, let's be this fair, year they pushed their diversity program so hard. Well, can... that's two members of the diversity program, actually. Can we be fair here fair point. and say that NASCAR has backed themselves into a box with this one? They have to kind of act because literally a couple weeks ago, William Byron and Denny Hamlin got into it under yellow, and Byron got that $100,000 penalty. Yeah. So, And that was not wrecking him. That was just spinning him out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. remember when Cole Custer just got penalized for out, you know altering the outcome of a race? I expect this to be a suspension. At least one race, if not two. I don't I don't really know because here's well, the problem with NASCAR. Does anybody know what the rule actually is? No, because they write it so vaguely they can be consistently inconsistent. Well, did, right. Did so how the hell are you admit, gonna judge it? Did, That's the NASCAR way. Now did did I, I didn't see it, but did Bubba admit to, to hitting him on the re, on retaliation? I gave you the quote and I don't remember him he just said that the steering broke. So basically he put the ball in NASCAR to is their court to prove it basically, which well, with SMT with SMT data, yeah. it's probably going to be pretty easy to figure out. Which is why they got Custer for altering the race. Plus, they got that radio transmission. But you know, I don't. Bubba was babbling like crazy too. He couldn't give a straight answer on it. Well, it's all NASCAR's fault in the end, anyway. They had that whole boys have at it era, which completely ruined like 15 to 20 years of the sport with people who just wrecked each other for no good goddamn reason. Yep. And it just snowballed, and now you got this. I don't condone wrecking anybody on purpose. Nope. Um, even when Jesse did it, I didn't condone it. I understood, but I didn't condone it. It's that old Chris Rock joke, you know? Yeah. You, you know, you, you don't push an old man down the stairs, but... Sometimes, depending on what the situation, I understand. Right. <laughs> I understand. Um, <laughs> you don't do it. Are we ready for I my understand. rant yet? We are um, as ready as we'll get, I guess. The floor is yours. Apologies, headphone users. <laughs> okay, so. I like how we apologize I have to preface this because, number I have to preface this with a disclaimer because of the times that we live in, that I have to let people know that, number one, I if I am a racist, then I would be the worst racist in the world because uh, my gastroenterologist is a really great doctor. I trust him with my life and with any kind of like cancer diagnosis, what they remove, yet I don't, I don't care what color he is, just do a good job. Okay, yeah, he's black, <laughs> you know? So what? So what? <laughs> okay, this is a very intimate relationship I have with him. He's been inside my throat an asshole. Correct. Numerous times. <laughs> Phrasing. Phrasing. I know. Phrasing, Phrasing. everyone. Phrasing. Phrasing. 
Yes, he's been inside me a lot. I don't okay. think it was him, but go on. It was maybe medical devices and whatnot and remove stuff. Yeah. Okay. So it, I have to trust him with my life. Therefore, <laughs> I'd be pretty bad at being a racist. Sorry, because I love that guy. He's, tr- he's saved my life twice, probably. On with it. Anyway, as a member of the quote-unquote oppressor population, I feel like I must ask the question if it's okay really to uh, not really like Bubba Wallace for being an asshole in this situation. Honestly, he kind of he kind of did act like an asshole because because I'm in this position of since I'm in this position of power, I feel like I need to ask permission from my fascist left wing overlords that populate within the media. No, they don't control you. Well, I need permission because not here. because I'm in a position of power. <laughs> no. That's because I'm the oppressor. Anyway. Oh, I get it. You know something? So when you're we're not in we're not we're racing at Las Vegas, which is one and a half miles and they go fast as hell. Yeah. All right. Back in the day they were almost clicking two hundred going. All right, we're not in we're not in we're not racing some podunk little track in pig fucker Arkansas. Okay. Speaking of which, did you guys see that wreck at Salem where the guy sailed out of their park? Yeah, Holy dude, that was shit. that was nuts. But that's not. I'll Podunk. post a pic. I'll post a picture of that on the Instagram. That's not Podunk Speedway. Oh, that's a great place. That's a nice place. Moving on. But anyway, it's not some small track down. You know, it's some short track. It's a mile and a half. Okay, with the car that has been, it's been open season on concussions. Who do we have out? We have three drivers that are out. Mm-hmm. We haven't had three drivers out in injury in a long ass time. Kurt Busch, Cody Ware, Alex Bowman. Yep. Concussions and then some, son. Kurt Busch is newly retired, basically. This car retired. Semi retired. This car retired him. Yeah. Semi retired. If it was the old car, he'd still be here. He ain't coming back until they make major changes to this car, and he's semi retired because of this car. So, therefore, when when you have somebody that's headhunting, Okay, over the equivalent of somebody basically stepping on his toe. They never made contact. No. Bubba Wallace's car bounced off the wall. Okay. And guess what? That car was still raceable up until he turned hard left and crashed into him. Okay. Okay. That was, uh, yeah. I don't think the steering broke. No, it didn't break. It was fine until he turned hard left into the wall. And he is partially, he has a percentage of that. That is, he's he could be responsible for that, the way he held down Kyle Larson so much. Mm. Held him down so bad that the car got loose underneath him and put him in the wall. So I think a percentage of it is his own damn fault. They were awful tight all the way through three and four. Okay. Until he tight broke, enough, he, Tight enough that they... He, he knocked the Sonic coins out of Kyle Bush, uh, Kyle Larson, and <laughs> and they crashed. <laughs> Hear him raining down. Okay, they were awful tight, uh, tight enough. They weren't that tight, but you don't have to be that tight to each other to affect the arrow. It could have been coming off that corner. It could have got loose. They were getting it, loose. It really doesn't take a lot. I mean, that's what that's what Larson said happened. Kyle Busch yeah. got loose and and spun the damn car out early in the race. Yep. 
Did yeah. you see William Byron too? Yeah, and then Ooh. and it ended up damn taking near, out. Damn near took out uh, the twelve car there. And I it think. ended up taking out a playoff guy in Christopher Bell, who was who totally just innocent. Freaking won his way into this round. Yeah, essentially a teammate. Essentially a teammate. Yeah, okay. manufacturer teammate. Yeah. So this guy that World Trade Center to five. Okay. A little too soon. A little too soon. Sorry. Yeah, well, it's so been they, 20 so, years. So, so then all of a sudden, you know, he knows who it is, you know, and basically, you know, he starts being a tough guy, pushing a little guy around. And didn't he have tears when there was a garage door pull or something? Oh, we're going back to that already? Yeah. He was a. So how could he be such a tough guy if he was at tears over a garage door pull? Give me a break, bro. All right. So I think probably yeah. another factor of this thing is that he was overcompensating for. You know, because Kyle Larson is the uh, proverbial, you know, he, he said that uh, slur on that episode of South Park where he was the uh, the guy on Wheel of Fortune that uh, said, Oh, Randy? Yeah, basically, he he was the guy who said the slur on Wheel of Fortune in that South Park episode. N-word guy? Yeah, the, yeah, the slur guy. He's going to get that slur guy, okay? So, uh I think that had a lot to do with them trying to overcompensate and play it out to being what something bigger is. Okay. Kiss it. Huh? Apologize. Kiss it. <laughs> you want me to kiss your... That's right. Apologize. <laughs> we need Jesse uh, Jackson. Okay. NASCAR uh, needs him. No, we don't. Your, uh, apologize. <laughs> He's got to kiss his black ass. I think that's what that's the only way we can solve this. Oh boy. Anyway, that being said, um, I can't wait to hear what comes out of Freddie Kraft's mouth on Door Bumper Clear after he wipes oh, off boy. after he wipes off uh, Denny Hamlin and Bubba Wallace's giant jizz ball load. <laughs> that is the end of my rant. And. Uh, you guys go uh, have, I fun, think, have fun picking that apart. Thank you. I think NASCAR fans overreact to literally goddamn everything when it comes to Bubba Wallace and this situation because they're like, why didn't NASCAR penalize him? Why ain't they done this? Why ain't done that? It's Tuesday. It comes out Tuesday. Okay. Can you can you wait every freaking penalty? Everything it's going to be been, on the next episode of next week's news, break, breaking news. Breaking that, news that from, happened last week. Yes. It's yeah. going to be on next week's episode. Calm down. Okay. Chill. Chill the fuck out. Okay. I guarantee you there's going to be a penalty, and you're all going to look stupid because you're like, well, he's black. He's not going to get penalized. It's like, no, it. they have backed themselves way too far into a corner to not penalize him, so it's going to happen. You know, give me a break. Right, you're just looking for excuses to be pissed off about just shut up and just enjoy race cars going fast like you're supposed to. I can almost understand that mentality though, because Bubba has gotten away with some shit that would have been made such a much bigger deal, like throwing water in Bowman's face when he was on the ground. With that a was like, shitty too, and I think we called him out on that too. He did, but he he got away with it, like. He didn't get penalized that I remember. He didn't get anything done to him. And that's where the fuel for that comes from. Again, NASCAR, like that. NASCAR has no defined yeah. penalization system. 
they need to have a defined penalization system. Like the water in the face thing, tier one penalty. Like Get a con- picture of Mr. Marsh apologizing. Like Ready conduct. Go, you know what I mean? They need yeah. to have conduct penalties. If a guy's passed out on the ground and you throw a water bottle in his face, classless, um, cla- like tier one penalty. You didn't hit him. You didn't you know, push him. You didn't wreck him. Tier one. It's a fine to charity or something like that. Make sh- just do something. You know what I mean? That's, but this I, is gonna be a penalty. I don't think they're gonna park him. But no, and and that's what I was saying earlier. Is like I expect they haven't parked somebody in freaking years. I, I expect them to park him, but I don't think they will. I think it's just gonna be a large monetary penalty, and that's it. Yeah, I think you'll see a big fine. And they'll probably take points, but points won't matter. So who gives a shit? Um, well, it matters because of uh, the reason. The only reason they put him in that forty-five car was for owners' championship points. And well, maybe he should have thought of that before he wrecked the damn thing and took that points penalty. Well, I think that's the problem, though. Is Bubba doesn't think. Uh, just, he's very he fragile. Acts like he, he's, he's got a very he fragile drives, ego. He drives emotionally, like and and I think. I mean, I'm guilty of that as well. A lot of race car drivers, if you drive with your emotions, that's when you start getting yourself in trouble. Yeah. You have to just drive the car. And what if I was in Bubba's shoes, no, I wouldn't have given Kyle an inch the rest of the race, but you just fucked up your entire race. I would have told Kyle to kiss my black ass. I mean, the guy, yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot of... I've seen a lot of race car drivers do exactly what he's done. A lot of them. And a lot of them, their career never panned out like it should have because they just are too emotional to make rational decisions. You have to be cool and calm behind the wheel. You got to be smart. You have to think big picture. If you get run in the wall and your first instinct is, I'm going to crash everything in sight, again, I've said it before, doesn't matter who it is, you shouldn't be behind the wheel of a race car. You have to have patience. You have to understand that the first the first thing you should think of is, I got ran into the wall, maybe it was an accident. Great kid, does not need to be a race car driver. A lot of people are saying that too, but I mean, he's... Kiss it. Huh? Look, but Bubba, Bubba wouldn't be here if he didn't have talent. No, he's won a race this year. I mean, for God's sakes, he can drive a well, car. He's won a race. He's won a bunch of races in the truck series with Kyle Busch and other good teams. Like we mentioned, he, he many less. Has, yeah, there are way less talented drivers out there. Than, like I said, people sucked yeah. Matt DiBenedetto's dick, and he didn't win a race in NASCAR for like twelve years. He won in the K and N East, and then he finally won a truck race. Bubba, and realistically, this kid's just won a lot more. Step oh yeah, back and think more. Stop being fragile. Go to a sports psychologist. A lot yeah. of people do that. It that might, yeah, it might help. Sense. It might help. What it I, might focus you. I don't know. One one thing I think he's guilty of is, I think he's put too much pressure on himself. Because I mean, it's right on his his Twitter. He's the only black race car driver in the Cup Series. Do you think it's well, kind of like where baseball players start getting in their own head and they get the yips and they can't make a th- routine throw constantly because they're in their own head? I think so. And, and I think Bubba's better than that. And, like, look, I don't care what color he is. You've no, either got talent shit. or you don't. I'll give anybody shit. doesn't matter. 
If William Jesse Byron did this, sucks, I'd be giving him black. shit. Joe Graff Jr. sucks. He's white. Joe Graff no Jr. is probably worse. <laughs> well, I would agree so. Jesse doesn't crash but, as much, let's be fair. Actually, he like, doesn't really crash at all. I think putting that pressure on himself has brought the emotional part of it kind of to the forefront for him. And he he wants so bad to, and I get it, he wants so bad to be successful and perform and, and run up front and win races that he doesn't think about kind of what we were talking about earlier with Gaedeke. Mm -hmm. Take what the car can give you. Race your race, get what you can get, move on to next week, learn to be better. That's how, like, look at Mark Martin. One of the cleanest and most under-the-radar guys there was. Probably one of the but most well-respected racers mm -hmm. in the Cup Series of all time. Won a, won a ton of fucking races. He won over 50 races, I think. I'll yeah, I'll tell you what, there's probably a lot of guys out there that are rooting for in the garage area that are uh, are probably rooting for Bubba Wallace to do well. I think we all are. I, you know, I, I want to see him do well. I'm doing well. I would like to he's, see him do well. You just got to stop with the fragile he's ego got to get out of his own head. That's where he's at right now. Yep, 100%. He's just in his kiss own it. head. That's you all. You want me to kiss your... That's right. Apologize. <laughs> he, he might need therapy, realistically. Yeah. That's sports just, therapy. It, is, it might. You know what? You're right. There are a lot it, of sports psychologists, and they do help a lot of athletes get the hell out of their own heads. It's a lot of great. And there's ones. many notable athletes that have gone through low points in their career that have stepped out and done that stuff and gone on to be super successful. Yeah. Did you hear so, how many people yelled at, screamed at, at Kyle Busch uh, with the all the yays when his tire fell off? <laughs> Oh, they I, went wild when his tire. I fell think off. that got a lot more. I think that got a lot more noise than than uh, the crash with between Bubba and Kyle. Larson. At least at the race, I think it yeah, sounded think... louder. At his Could, home track, we... Kyle Busch got heated on. He got booed at his home track. <laughs> they cheered when his wheel fell off, dude. Yeah. Can, <laughs> can we talk about Kyle Busch going into full blown man child mode because he ran him fucking self into the wall on the last lap? Trying to race Ross Chastain. Yeah, Ross ran a protect line and just you know, well, you know you're gonna the air you know the his... guys. No, you know if you're running a guy down and he wants that spot, he's gonna run in your lane. And if he runs in your lane, you probably gotta back it down a little bit well, because Kyle you're gonna Bush lose the air. And Kyle didn't do that. So. Kyle was behind him, like a half a fucking car behind him. It wasn't Ross's fault. Kyle has you the ran same yourself into the wall. Left, bro. Kyle has the same mentality as everyone else. He's got I'm a fragile ego too. I'm successful. You owe me that spot. Well, he actually owes Ross Chastain at least one or two wrecks already this year. Everybody Joe. does. It's off the calendar. I at know. This point. It's the, don't give a fuck. <laughs> Did you hear what but... Joey said when he got out of the car? He had fun racing with Ross, and Ross did a good job. He wasn't a big, he wasn't that big an idiot. Ross just ran the same freaking line as anyone else who would be leading. You always yep. take the air off the car behind you. Joey just found a way around it. Right, Simple nothing as wrong that, with that. There's dude. nothing wrong with it. Nope, no but problem. But Joey here. respected the game because he's played the game and he knows he lives by it. He knows about exactly. clean air. If yeah. anybody knows about clean air, it's Joey Logano. I play that drinking game whenever he's in the booth. 
boy, do I get wasted. Here. Oh, yeah. I Clean really air. hate to admit it, but I'm starting to like Joey Logano. I, I'm starting to admit it, but I'm starting to hate you. <laughs> Joey Logano. <laughs> I can't stand him. I'm, it's the same way I'm starting to like Denny Hamlin. It's like... I am I, I, I don't mind him as much. Get. I just like the Denny that is like I'm towards he, the end of my career, I just don't give a shit anymore. I mean he's done some hypocritical shit, but you know what? He's still a wheel man, dude. I don't care. He's oh, Denny is dude. a wheel man. Good he, God. He, I agree with him on a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yes. I agree with Joey Logano on nothing. No. I yeah, I'm Frank. kinda there. Okay. <laughs> From worse Connecticut. He's from Middletown. He's from Worst, Connecticut. Middletown is like Nowheresville, Fuck USA. He's from Middletown, North Carolina. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, let's let. Why don't we finish? I think we've given all of our opinions, but, right? What do you think? Well, what I was going to say is what I respect about Joey Logano, Jesse, is the fact that at this point in his career, he admits that he races like a jerk, but he also doesn't criticize when other people race him the same way. At least he can own it. At this yeah, point, he except at least if, owns it. Today, except if you're William Let's just Byron. Say today, there you go. <laughs> well, fuck William Byron. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, whatever. <laughs> it's all right. To wrap Pretty this, boy spoon bitch. I'd, I'd respect him more if he'd be like, you know what? I never touched him as he pile drives him, hmm. pushes his poo <laughs> right in. Yeah. I never touched shit. Never touched him. It's like, yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> you never, so, you never apologize for nothing. I mean, the race was pretty decent otherwise. Uh, it doesn't look like NASCAR has completely solved the whole clean air is king aspect of this package like they wanted you know what they to. They did solve? Uh, what's that? No right rear tire issues. I wonder why. No sticky shit. No right rear tire issues. Yeah, because there was no sticky shit. No that? sticky icky? I think that's it. Maybe Goodyear helped a little bit with their sidewall or whatever. I maybe think... the, the no tickies. Maybe it's a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, C, D, and all the way down through the other alphabet. But here's the thing. Maybe Goodyear never really had a tire problem. Maybe it's maybe all these not. guys and the sticky shit. Um, anyway, we can prove that they haven't solved the clean air thing uh, because no. Justin Haley proved that by taking two tires and leading late, and nobody, nobody was catching him until the caution came out. And then Ross got the lead back somehow. Yeah, well, he didn't have a good push on the restart. No, he really didn't. He didn't have a good no. push. No, no pushing. But I think yeah. the drivers have even said these cars are more aero-dependent than the old car because the old car was just this big slab side. And yeah. if you took a little bit of air off of it, it didn't matter. With these cars, they have no slab side, and they got so much aero-dependency that if you just take a little bit of air off, you're in the wall. You know it solved that? Less tire, more power. Less yeah. spoiler. A thousand horsepower and no arrow. Yeah. Make them drive it again. Make them drive it like they used to back in the... Oh, uh, but they'll flip over. Blah, blah, blah. They always flip over. They did it anyway. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> they flip over anyway. Yeah. They didn't solve I shit. thought they're built safer. <laughs> the center section. Not safer the back. for the car owner, not the driver. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> Only if you back it in. Yeah. So, yeah, scramble your brains. So, anyway, Joey Logano did win. He's going to be in his fifth championship four. Lame. Yep. Oh, well. Uh, Ross is still second in points right now. So we'll Joey see Logano is almost like Kevin Harvick. He's been, he's been in all of them lately, and he's only won one. Yeah. 
So you locked him into the championship. God, I hate the fucking championship race being at Phoenix. I hate the playoffs in general. I hate all of it. I can't wait, and and I stand by my prediction that I gave you the other day. With all the stuff that they're talking about in in Nashville, I think what's going to happen is once they get that squared away and they can get a cup date there, the championship four race is going to be at Nashville. The following week, they're going to have the the banquet, and champion week is going to be the week in between. Hmm. You know what? I, I would like that. I would like that a lot. That would make a lot I, of sense. I yeah. think it would justify the the chase a little bit. Yeah, that makes only a lot a, of sense. Only a little bit. That would be really good. So you're thinking at the fairgrounds? or? Yes. Well, they better fix the short track package because it sucks right now. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then they're going to Martinsville. It seems to only (laughs) suck on concrete tracks. Oh, by the way, we might as well mention this because we're talking about short tracks. Anybody who's on Twitter knows who Bozy Tatarevic is. I don't know who he is. You don't have Twitter. I said on Twitter. There you go. Um, he's a tire changer for the Vassar Sullivan, uh, Isma team with the Lexuses. And he's also a very big tech guy. Like he loves the tech stuff, writes uh, freelance for Road and Track and other places. So um, he announced he posted an article today that NASCAR will introduce a wet weather package for short ovals. Anybody hear about that? Uh, let's see. Wet weather tires have been discussed and tested prior to the debut of the NASCAR Next Gen car. They say their sources are saying that NASCAR is forging ahead with implementing this plan for certain short ovals in 2023 one development in the package that will be seen in 23 is an updated rain light it will still flash in wet weather conditions but will now go solid when the driver gets on the brakes a huge help when visibility is low and drivers can't tell when the cars start braking uh, I really lights like and that. lights and lights and lights the short oval uh tracks that will likely see the availability of the wet weather package like martinsville phoenix oh boy that's a little big. Uh, possibility oh. possibility of others like New Hampshire. That would be decent. Flat tracks. Let's do it at Bristol. Flat short tracks would be better. No banking. Uh, this is more of a wet surface solution than a true rain racing solution, he says, but it could significantly reduce race delays when there is rain. Best way to look at it is this solution uh, could replace the last 30 to 40 minutes of jet drying instead of allowing cars to go racing on damp pavement. Or That's instead, instead allowing cars to go racing on damp pavement. Basically, they just say, you know. So you have to buy an intermediate grain tire and then go on to a slick. Basically, yeah. But they're going to shorten up the delays and get the race in, I guess. I don't know. They're trying to just. I have crippling depression. Mm, this sucks. Yeah, I don't like I it. I don't either. mind it. I don't want nothing to do with this. I don't want anything to do with going around Martinsville driving slow even slower than they than they already are single file yes. slow they're all going to try to fight for the bottom that's not affected by wet okay if i wanted to watch Boring. people drive slowly in the rain i would just go down 95 in a downpour because everybody why would walls. you bother nascar yeah, did not immediately respond better on wet surfaces jesse so if the track dries out on the bottom and they're still under wet conditions because nascar technically determines that still uh well until they say otherwise would that mean they would run the wall they may run the wall entertaining or they're all pit 
and try to get slicks on and then fight for the bottom. And it's going to be a whoever one gets, race Whoever track. gets elbowed into the wet groove gets goes first. And a then spin, there's going to be and there's fifty thousand cautions for. That. We're going to run at least eighty five caution laps, and that'll dry the track fine. It's like okay, I good street more, stocks get out there on the track, dry the track. Yep. I think more what they're talking about is they're going to like make a single pass with the jet dryers and let them loose. Standing water will still delay a race start since hitting that at speed is dangerous no matter what. Uh, we can expect this new damp surface solution it's to help dry dumb. the track surface quickly. Once the race goes green, the rain tires likely won't stay on the car as long as teams will need to swap to slicks as soon as a dry line forms because mm-hmm. both speed and advantage of degradation of wet tire, we all know how that works. What happens when they put when they have to do this on a track where they have to put that... Uh, Sticky shit? Yeah, the... Uh, Apple the juice. maple syrup <laughs> on, uh, on, the, on the track. No, I, I think that that's. Well, I don't that, think they're going to use it on high bank tracks. It's not going to work there. They run it on, on small tracks too, don't they? Mm, I don't remember, but uh, no, I don't they think they're going to run it. it at the smaller flat tracks. Yeah. Uh, by the way, this seems like a benefit for NASCAR from multiple aspects, as it allows them to lose less time on the no, TV isn't. broadcast. And start a race sooner during rain delays. It also allows for some additional strategy at some of these short holes if a race is started on rain tires. Good. So get rid of the stages and get rid of the playoffs then. Now we can. <laughs> it's yeah. a joke. It's all a joke. <laughs> NASCAR did not immediately respond to our request for comment. So we posted it anyway. It's fucking dumb, dude. <laughs> Uh, all right. I am out of notes. Does anybody have any parting thoughts? I, I suck cock, and I love it. <laughs> yummy, 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 yummy. You can tell the race. You can tell this is over. <laughs> How far in are we anyway? Usually these too epi- far. Two hours and what? Twenty-three minutes. Oh, for God's sake! Some sakes. of that you have to cut out with our technical difficulties. Yeah, we keep having shit. technical difficulties, so I got to go back and cut some out, which I usually don't edit the episodes. But if you want to find our episodes, you can find us at makinglapspodcast at gmail dot com. If you want to send us some feedback, you can find us at Facebook, facebook.com slash makinglapspodcast. Instagram is at makinglapspodcast. You can, uh, let's see, send us a voicemail to makinglapspodcast at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at brentgleason01. You can find me on YouTube at youtube.com slash brentgleason. You can find Phil at? At PJ's Racing on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And you can find Jesse playing with the microphone because it's falling over. Broken. It's got a stop nut on the bottom. You can just twist that up to Phrasing. it. Phrasing. All right, get him away from that immediately because he's already supposed to be banned this week, but I let him back on just because. All right, boy. How do we end the show? Please do it nicely for the love of God. Okay, you can do it a little bit louder. <laughs> it's okay. Uh-oh. All right, well, thank you all for listening. I appreciate it. <laughs>